Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. Got a few games, got some injury updates, and we got a lot of injury updates this morning. Uh, but the Super Bowl, the Jazz, they certainly have the injury news. Uh, the games, Weber State did it. They got the win. They beat Eastern Washington. That's the top of the big sky. Weber State's in first place. They improved to 17-5. They held off a, a late push from the Eagles, who are a 500 team, 11-11, bouncing around the middle of the big sky. Weber State stays in first place. Montana State, Montana, Southern Utah, and Northern Colorado all on two losses. Because of COVID, teams play different number of games, so they don't have the same number of wins. But those are the two loss teams behind Weber State. Southern Utah got it done. They picked up over a win over NAU. Once again, a team at the top beating a team in the middle of the league there. So Southern Utah is fourth, but they played one less game than Montana, Montana State. So the Big Sky Tournament, the NCAA Tournament berth will come down to the conference tournament, as always does, it's not a league that's going to have a large bid. you got to play well one week in March. And right now, if you look at the semis, it would not be a surprise to see two Utah schools and two Montana schools squaring off against their in-state rivals in the semis, and then we'll see who wins in the finals. So that's where that sits. Utah State plays tonight. Scotty G will have the call. They are playing Air Force. It was a tough stretch for the Aggies. They haven't shot the ball well. They've been shooting the ball a little better. And so they are now 3-5. and five, But they're playing Air Force, who's also 3-5. and five. If they can get the win at home, they climb over another team. And we'll see if they can uh, make their way up through the standings here. They are right now not looking good. They're sitting in ninth place in the league. But they're also only a game and a half out of fourth place. So maybe they can climb up, climb up there and set themselves up for the conference tournament. They're not going to be in a large team. they got a 12-9 and record. So set yourself up for the conference tournament and see if you can play well when you get there. They'll play Air Force tonight. You'll hear that here on the Zone Sports Network with Scotty G on the call. All right, the injury news. The Super Bowl and Joe Ingles. We will uh, we'll start with Joe. It was what everyone feared and expected. When you saw him go down, if you've ever torn your ACL, you know what it feels like. It hurts a lot. And when you saw Joe go down, you saw the knee bend awkwardly, and you saw him on the floor in such obvious pain. And Joe's an Iron Man. He had a stretch of like 300 games played or whatever, and he, he plays a lot of basketball. He doesn't sit a lot. He plays internationally for Australia in the summer, and then he comes back and pulls the full shift on the season for the Jazz. So when he went down, he showed that much pain. You figured it had to be bad, and it was bad. It's the ACL, which means the rest of this year, and an ACL means into next year. I thought it was hilarious when I saw ESPN that they quoted sources. Or, you know, you can watch the NBA for the last decade. How long does an ACL take? I mean, in Denver right now, Jamal Murray, how long does it take? He's going to be in the next year. Now, oddly, this changes several things. And I think this is Carl Malone. You know, I've done a complete 360 on that issue, and he many changed his mind, but a 360 takes you around the circle. A 180 is a complete reversal. A 360 brings you back to where you started. I think there were plenty of you who thought Joe could be traded at midseason. That could still happen. It'd have to be a straight money trade because obviously he's not going to play. But if you're doing it for cap relief, you know, a good team might do it for cap relief and they get Joe who might, you know, help them. Well, now Joe can't play. But if there's a bad team looking for cap relief, if there's a team determined to have cap relief no matter what, Joe still provides that. The trade could still happen. Now, ironically, it'd be less stressful for him because he wouldn't have to go play somewhere for three months. He's not going to play. <laughs> so he could be traded. He'll be a free agent in the offseason. 
I don't think the odds are very good to be back in Utah. I still don't think the odds are very good to be back in Utah. But would the Jazz take him back on a minimum contract? Knowing he's not going to play the first half of the season while he rehabs the knee. Maybe. You know, now at this point, Joe might want to retire and just go back to Australia. I can't rule that out. That could definitely happen. It's hard for me to see another team signing him, although maybe it could happen. His numbers were down this year. He was essentially the seventh man of the league last year. Now, were his numbers down this year because he felt pressure because of the trade deadline? Was it down because he's just fried after playing in the Olympics? Uh, You know, the energy level ought to be back because now he's not going to play any basketball. And he's going to rehab. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It, it changes things, but it doesn't because the, tr- the money trade could still happen. He might have ended up back in Australia next year if he was healthy. He could end back in Australia anyway. Would he stay here in rehab and try to get into the league and join midseason next year? Would there be a wink-wink deal with the Jazz? You, know, you wouldn't even have to sign for the minimum. Maybe you sign midseason when you're finally healthy. Uh, how does Joe want to play it? You know, hopefully we'll have him on here, and he's been really good about coming on with us. He's been on so regularly. He's very rarely missed. He did when he was positive for COVID. I mean, there have been a few times. Um, but when we do talk to him, it'll be interesting to see what his his mindset is. And and honestly, he may not have made it up yet either. You know, this is the kind of thing it may take a while to, to process. And does he want to rehab here, rehab in Australia? There's a lot for him to iron out. But the Jazz now have to say, okay, where do they get the shooting? And Joe wasn't shooting it real well lately. We all know that. But we also know he's provided a lot of great shooting over the years. And how did the Jazz get another shooter? Does Rudy Gay play more minutes? You know, that's, that's one possibility. Do they go out and acquire somebody? That's one possibility. Do they not worry about the shooting? Because the other thing, Joe, Joe was a security blanket. When Mitchell's out or when Conley is out, Joe slides right into the starting lineup. Do they want... For, put Forrest in that role. Not worry about the shooting, because that's not what Forrest does. He's not going to give you great numbers from three. But provide the ball handling and just be different. You know, it's, Coaches will always say this, and they, and they say this in multiple sports. When someone goes down injured or someone's traded or someone retires or someone leaves the free agent or whatever, you rarely replace like for like. Often, whatever that person's strengths are, you lose. But maybe the new person gives you strengths in another in strength in another area. So I know a lot of you. I haven't mentioned Pascal yet. Pascal yet. I know a lot of you are going to say, "Give that guy a shot," you know. Or is it time for someone like Elijah Hughes? You know, is this an opportunity for them to seize a bigger role? Is there a move to be made? The Jazz do not have a lot of assets, but they do have some. So interesting times to see how this how this plays out for the Jazz and, and where this goes going forward. Because uh, it's the whole thing, what does Joe do? And then there's the whole thing, well, what does the team do? How many of Joe's minutes, you know, does Mitchell play bigger minutes? Does Rudy Gay play bigger minutes? Somebody in the lineup, you know, are they going to take on more of the load? It's hard to believe that Conley can play more. And the thing is, Joe gave you a couple of different things. And they probably aren't going to get a guy with that kind of size who can handle the ball, who can shoot the three well. He didn't shoot the three well the last month, but he was a runner-up in the sixth man of the year last year. I mean, he was the seventh man of the year. We all joke about that. you know. He was so good off the bench for the Jazz last year that TNT had him present the award to his teammate Jordan Clarkson when he won it. So 
It'll be interesting to see how the Jazz how the Jazz handle this going forward and how much it's an experimentation. You know, try to play one way eight or ten games and try to play another way eight or ten games, and then what do they ultimately go in, go with in the playoffs? When you know the key guys play more minutes and the bench guys play fewer minutes and the guys who are third string aren't playing at all. But if they're if they want to if they want to give one of these young guys uh, a run, I think there's at least two or three guys they might want to give a shot here. Then this this is the time. I mean, they brought guys in on ten day contracts. Maybe those are the guys, and maybe there's a guy out there on a ten day contract they're going to be in. There there are a lot of possibilities. All right, uh, and then the the, uh, the the Super Bowl news, which ironically is the tight end injury update, uh, because both teams have issues. Tyler Higby, it doesn't look good for him and the Rams right now. He's got an MCL sprain. He may miss the Super Bowl. Now, C.J. Uzma for the Bengals, he's got an MCL sprain, but they seem to be a little more hopeful that he'll be able to bounce back and play in the game. I wouldn't be surprised, ultimately, if both guys miss the games. MCL sprains are nothing to mess around with. Now, how bad are they? Uh, we can really only judge that because you just can't believe anything you hear about injuries at this point. Um, the NFL makes you report them, but teams will go overboard to be cautious. So they'll tell you, I can't play, and then maybe you can't. But how much time did a guy miss? Did a guy sit? You know, When Uzma goes to the locker room and comes out in street clothes in the second half, I mean, he wants to be part of the team, be on the bench, do what you can, cheer your guys on. Maybe you see something and mention something to a player. You want to be part of it. You've invested so much. There's, you know, you've run so much. You've lifted so many weights. You've watched so much film. You want to be out there with your guys. And then whatever little bit you can provide, great. But it makes me think you won't be able to play. But the Bengals, encouraged by initial tests. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play, but we'll leave it out there and, and we'll see where it goes from there. And then the odd, the oddity of the day, Cincinnati calls off school the day after the Super Bowl. And as near as I can tell from the stories, they're not offsetting it with another day. These kids, and maybe they will, maybe they'll tack on a day at the end. But there was a holiday on the 7th, and they could have just flipped it to the 14th. But the kids are getting the 7th and the 14th off. Football is not real life. But if you're in school, it has a pretty big impact on real life. But Cincinnati's going crazy for the Bengals. It's been a long time. It's been more than 30 years, and now they're in the Super Bowl. And I guess if they lose, it'll just be a day of mourning, and the kids will still get a day off of school. So, All right, DJ and PK, coming up more on the Super Bowl. We had a Hall of Fame selector on the show yesterday, and he will give you his thoughts, his pick for the Super Bowl. How's this going going forward? Plus the ongoing uh, drama with the quarterbacks. Uh, what what's going to happen in Green Bay and Tampa Bay? Is Brady really done? Is Rodgers going to Denver or somewhere else? What's the deal? Or is he retiring? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. It's time now to welcome back Jason Cole, longtime NFL reporter, Hall of Fame selector. Jason, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? The Super Bowl is set. Are you surprised? Mm-hmm. You had to have been surprised at at 21-3 the Bengals got off the deck. Yeah, well, I mean, they did it earlier this year against that same team, so not completely shocked by that. In fact, I expected them to hang out. In this game, I didn't expect them to win. I I thought that Kansas City would have a plan in the second half for how to score, and obviously they did not. So I was wrong on that one. Um, but Cincinnati's look. I thought Cincinnati was a year or two away. I thought they had to fix their offensive line a little bit more, which they still do. Um, 
I didn't think they were complete on defense, but I was wrong about the second part of that. They're they figured out defensively how to fix problems that they have in, in games, especially against Kansas City in that second half. And so they pulled out a victory, so I'm not completely shocked. But if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, would the Bengals be in the Super Bowl this year? I mean, come on, please. Yeah, Let, really. let's, let's, not, let's not jest with each other. I think the biggest surprise for me, watching Joe Burrow, you know, I know he can throw the ball, but the couple of runs, particularly that one that he had, he had the two for the first down, but being able to get out of that pressure and find his way to get mm-hmm. to the chains. Uh, the, the kids just got moxie. I said last week, man, as someone who's cocky and hot is dangerous, and it, it, we expect him to throw the ball well, and, and you know, he's got the receiver there that he played with in college, and uh, but uh, to be able to, to do what he did with his legs on those couple of things, i got to say, I was way surprised. I have to ask a question. Is moxie the greatest old man word that we have in, in the English language? Like, it should be on, like, those progressive ads um, <laughs> about people who are, like, acting like their parents, right? What's, what's the, what, you, you got a better word? Along the line. No, no, I like moxie. I mean, I, but when I say it, and I admit this, when I say the word moxie, I feel 10 years older than I am. And that's <laughs> that's that's not good. Okay? <laughs> Let's just say that right. Well, at least you're not top, dead, okay? though. Swag. No, I'm not dead. But, it's, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, swaggerlicious would be a little bit younger. Okay. But <laughs> moxie, yeah, moxie is, is the older version of it. Um, you know, look, Burrow, Burrow has those traits where he has exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have, right? Like Burrow, his his mind works at the speed of the game or faster. So nothing that happens seems like it's a surprise to him necessarily. I mean, he gets hit, he can get sacked, but you don't feel like he's clueless back there. Or when he escapes, he can make a big play. Like Chris Jones misses him, and he whiffed on him twice yeah. on that play. On that on that first big run, that's Chris Jones, right? But he's Burrow's never surprised by the speed of the game, and again, Garoppolo is. And this is the difference between, you know, just being a great athlete because these are these guys are amazing athletes, right? Um, and being at the upper end of it, right? And that's where Burrow is. He just he sees it. He gets rid of it, or he makes a play with his legs. You know, not that he's a great runner, but he's a good enough runner. And, and you know, that's not going to last forever. He's going to slow down a little bit. But, you know, he made these key plays when he had to in these games, along with the fact the Bengals have done a phenomenal job of surrounding him with talent because they've got one great receiver, one very good one, and another good one, um, you know, in Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. So, you know, hopefully – I, don't know, I haven't checked on the tight end today, you know, Uzama, but uh, if they go into that game with those guys, I think they have a chance to, to put up some points against the Rams. We often talk about how fragile confidence is, and the Kansas City offense looked brilliant for three series, three long drives, three touchdowns. They got 21 points, but their fourth drive – they don't get the field goal at the end of the half. And they're just not the same team the rest of the game. Is it is it that simple? Did you put it on something else? 
Yeah, I mean, look, they didn't figure out a way to get Tyreek Hill open in the second half. I mean, you know, they were throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill a lot in the first half. And the second half, he didn't he didn't get very many chances. I think that was the bigger problem. Since I did a nice job of shutting him down, and they got caught up in short drives. And so, as my, I think that that game that that play is a turning point, and it's critical because you know, Mahomes made two mistakes on that one. Number one, he didn't he you know he you know you have to throw that ball in the end zone, or you have to throw it away. You can't throw it in the field of play, um, and so that's number one. Number two, you just you have to get points there, um, and I think that that you know that put some doubt in Andy Reid's mind because he ended up talking about it at the end of the, the first half. It was the first time a sideline reporter has ever come out with some really actually good piece of information because I, I don't remember which one it was, which sideline reporter it was who um, said Andy Reid was still talking about it at the end of halftime as they came out. It's like, look, you got to let that one go and focus on forward and what you have to do next. Um, you know, mistakes happen during games. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a key turning point. I think it changed their mindset a little bit. But still, they should have had an answer for what Cincinnati was doing because this is the second time they've seen Cincinnati in a month. You know that you're, you're supposed to know this, and Andy Reid has seen every kind of defense that anybody's going to throw at you to try and stop Tyreek Hill. Have an answer, and they didn't. I believe football is the ultimate team game, so I'm sort of torn on with Matthew Stafford because you know he took a lot of heat to not doing well in Detroit, and here he is his first year getting to the Super Bowl. So I'm wondering where you stand on putting so much credit and blame on quarterbacks and does it absolve him and it's more on the Lions they just stunk and really Stafford has been good all this time well we're talking about the Lions right right but it didn't, didn't um, it seem like Stafford had some baggage there associated with the Lions or no it's the Lions <laughs> it's, it's the Lions like there, there are some you know like there are some teams that know that, you know, they kind of fit in this realm of most teams kind of have an idea of, you know, what they're doing and things fall in place. Some teams really know what they're doing and they're consistent contenders like the Steelers, the Patriots. You know, those teams, those teams get it. Even the Giants, even though they're down right now, they ultimately kind of get it and they put out a competitive product most years, right? Then there are the, there's the other extreme. Uh, teams that just have no clue. And the Lions are, like, they're the band leader in that one. They have the baton, and they're at the front of the parade, and they're marching, you know, like, doing quarter time with the baton, right, in front of the band. That's them, okay? And they don't know what they're doing. There's a team, There's a reason they've never been in a Super Bowl. There's a reason that they took the combination of Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue and Matt Stafford and never did anything reasonable with it. Why they fired Jim Caldwell and brought in Matt Patricia. You know, I mean, we can go down the list of things, but I don't think they've won a championship since, what, 1955? Like, the common denominator is the Ford family doesn't know what they're doing, and they don't know how to run a football team. And until they figure out how to run a football team, this is what they are. And that's just, that's how it works with, with teams. 
Uh, you know, you're a reflection primarily of your ownership. So, yeah, I don't really blame Matt Stafford for a lot. Sure, there are some things that he's done. You know, he's he's a little wild with the ball, and you know, he th- does some desperate things, and he's a little too courageous with his arms sometimes. I get that, okay, but he's talented, and they should have done more with him. So I put this firmly on the Lions' shoulders as where the problem comes up. So you got Rams or Bengals? Rams, the, the problem I have here is the when I saw when I watched the Bengals against Tennessee, they couldn't they just couldn't block anybody, right? He got sacked nine times. Arguably the Rams have a better pass rush. And to go with that, the Rams have a better offense slash quarterback than Tennessee does, right? So as close as the game was between Cincinnati and Tennessee, you know, if if the Rams can do the same thing defensively that Tennessee did, and I think they can, then I think they win this game because they'll put up another seven points. Instead of getting 16, they'll get 23 or they'll get 24. And just it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to match that. But it's going to be fairly close. Um, I like the competitiveness of the game. I like both quarterbacks. I like the storylines of both quarterbacks. Was the second time in NFL history that we've had two number ones going at it. The last time was Manning against Cam Newton. So I like I, I like everything that goes into this. I love the drama of it. I love the sort of underdog against the home favorite, the team that's trying to make something happen. But ultimately, if if it comes down to X's and O's, and it generally does, I like what the Rams can do just a little bit better than what Cincinnati can do. And Cincinnati can keep the score down with their defense, but they're going to give up a few plays along the way. Away from the Super Bowl for a second, how about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, what do you think is going to go down there? I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you look at – you've been MVP the last two years, right? And you analyze this because Aaron – analyzes a lot of things. You know, he thinks about a lot. Um, I don't necessarily always agree with his conclusions, but I don't want to go down that um, train of thought. Do you really believe in the organization? And, you know, you used to not believe in Brian Gutekunst, the, the general manager, and the fact that he took a quarterback, um, you know, two years ago when they could have used another receiver to help him out. You know, he was angry with that. But now you're looking at Matt LaFleur going, You've been terrible in champion in in playoff games the last two years. You were terrible against Tampa Bay. You were worse against San Francisco this year. And for as good as we've been in the regular season, like I got, I only got so many bullets left. Am I going to do this with with Matt Lafleur and a GM that I you know sort of made up with, but sort of still don't trust? I, I got I. <laughs> As hard as it is for him to walk away from Green Bay, and last year showed that it was hard for him to walk away from Green Bay, I think he either walks away from Green Bay and plays or he retires. I have a hard time seeing him coming back to Green Bay and going through this after two of the most spectacular years of his career have ended in infamy the last two years. It's And, and it, even really three, but you know that, that one three years ago, I mean, they just got dusted by San Francisco. San Francisco was just better than them. The last two years, they were better than Tampa Bay and lost. 
and they were better than San Francisco and lost. And that has to eat away at your soul as a competitor. So Denver would be interested in him. Pittsburgh might be interested in him. New Tampa Orleans, Bay, Carolina. I mean, we can go down the list. Tampa Bay is now in the market no, yeah, for quarterback. Like, if, do you believe Brady's about a third of uh, a third of the league? Yes. <laughs> do you believe Brady's gone? I don't know what exactly to believe. I trust Adam Schefter's reporting. I would just say this. I mean, he's been far. He's he's the most accurate of the guys by far of the guys who report on the NFL. Nothing is going to change, and they can get weird, but. I have a feeling Tom, Tom more than likely is going to retire. But we've been playing this game for five years, right? Like, when is Tom going to retire? And generally, he keeps playing. So that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, and when his dad says he's going to com- continue to play, which is his dad said that on San Francisco radio, um, you know, those two guys are, you know, father, son. They're as tight as any father and son I've ever seen. So, you know, I. I wouldn't think that his dad would just go out and say that unless he knew something. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I Someday he's going to retire if it happens this week or in the next few weeks. Um, I tip my cap. I also sit there and say I'm kind of pissed off because I'm not, I'm not done with look, watching him play. I'd like to see him continue to play at this level. At the same time, I also thank him for, you know, getting a chance to watch him play this long because it was masterful. All right, there's a little football for you right here on 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Uh, one other note, um, the Broncos have gone ahead and uh, recycled the Raider coach. Now, the last time they did this, they won two Super Bowls. Of course, the last time they did this, they had John Elway. Will it work again? It worked. It worked with Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad. And now they're going to give it a shot. They've dipped into the Patriots organization. I don't know. You never know if this is going to work for sure. But Josh McDaniels, it didn't work with the Raiders. But now, after uh, basically another decade in New England, he's going to give it another shot with the Broncos. So we'll see if the Broncos go out and get a quarterback. Because in that division, you better have a quarterback. The, The Chiefs have a Hall of Famer. The Chargers have a good young quarterback We'll see where it goes for him. The Raiders have a playoff quarterback. Adequate. Doesn't look like he's going to be a Hall of Famer or an all-timer, but man, they had a lot of turmoil, and Carr played well enough they got to the they got to the playoffs, so they got something there. And Denver has basically been going through a guy every year since Peyton Manning was done. They got four years out of Peyton and two trips to the Super Bowl, and since then it's just been a revolving door. So Josh McDaniel can do whatever he can do, but he, they better get him a quarterback. And if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, I don't know who they're going to get. Um, I mean, maybe they'd be in the hunt for Garoppolo, right? There's the, at least a quarter of the league would be in the hunt for Garoppolo. I'm sure Washington and Carolina have got to look at their quarterback situations. Uh, Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh looks like he's done, so the Steelers are in the market. Denver's got to be in the market. New Orleans could be. Um, you know, there's there should be plenty of suitors. So. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 coming up, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, our basketball insider joins us, Steve Cleveland. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week. And, man, that was a rough week with BYU losing twice and the Jazz losing every game all week long, sitting on a five-game losing streak. When we talked to Steve yesterday, the Jazz had not made it official that Ingles was out with the ACL, but we all assumed that was what they were going to do, and about 
two or three hours after, two and a half hours after we got off the show. Uh, they made it official, and it is an ACL, and Joe is a foul for all of this year. He won't be ready for the start of next year. You know what he'll do. Uh, is the topic for many segments going forward. He might retire and go back to Australia. He might try to rehab here. Could he be back with the Jazz on a minimum deal next year, maybe? Uh, we'll have to see how this plays out. Could he still be trade bait now? You know, could he still, he's still got an expiring contract. Not going to help you on the court because he's not going to play anymore this year. But the expiring contract is there. So we talk a little bit of Jazz and a lot of BYU with Steve Cleveland. Here is the former Cougar coach who is about to celebrate a big birthday. Here's Steve Cleveland. He joined us late in yesterday's show. Here he is now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. He's brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, are you more worried about BYU or more worried about the Jazz? Because that wasn't a great week for either team. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think both of them have some challenges ahead of them. And, uh, you know, the Jazz are playing a really hot Nuggets team here coming up on Wednesday. And BYU's got USF and Gonzaga. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, they both have kind of dug themselves in a hole. Uh, the Jazz, obviously, some things, you, you know, when you're losing – and having your best player sit out and Ingles gets hurt again, or dealing with all the injury issues and the protocol issues, uh, those are things you really can't control. So hopefully uh, the Jazz can get healthy and, and, and BYU can kind of get their mojo back here. There's some things that uh, we can talk about. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great week, real difficult time, and uh, puts them in harm's way up for a lot of things in terms of just the league play, but as well as the NCAA tournament. So we'll see how it happens. We'll see what, what happens. Well, let me say happy birthday to Coach Cleveland because I know you got a birthday coming up. And, Thank you. And I know it's a big one. So, but you're yeah. still rocking. You got many I, years to go. We, uh, <laughs> you, you, I was sitting there thinking about talking to my wife. I said, I said, you know, I don't feel seventy. I mean, I kind of feel it in, in, in certain ways, but mentally, I still feel like I'm, you know, yeah. young at heart. And but man, yeah, that, that's a number that is. Uh, kind of gets your attention. It does, yeah. yeah. So when yeah, my grandmother right. when my grandmother turned 80, she said exactly what you said. I don't feel like I'm 80. I'm like, well, how old do you feel? And she thought about it for a long time. That to me is like the most memorable thing. It was quiet for so long. And then she said, 55. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and after my grandfather uh, passed away, she was still very active. And I said, well, you know, you can do this, you can do that. Said, I don't want to hang out with old people. They're boring. <laughs> I'd rather oh, hang out with somebody your age, but most of the people your age think I'm boring. <laughs> she, exactly. she was hilarious. But I'm, it's true. Mentally, mentally, you know, you're still thinking like, you know, you're 35 and, and you're doing these things and the body doesn't always cooperate nowadays, but, but uh, no, it's good. It's good. I, I mean, you never think about ever being 70, right? Yeah, really. So I'll be in Utah. We'll get a chance to see a lot of basketball. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Nuggets game on Wednesday, being there with my family. And, uh, and then BYU's got a couple of big games themselves. And I, I will grant you that Santa Clara is better than they have been. But nevertheless, the end of that game, I was chucking stuff at the television. Stuff happened that just can't happen. And it, it really bothered me. And then the Pacific game, it just until the last phonetic uh, couple of minutes, man, it just seemed like something was going wrong there. 
uh, as you diagnose this team, right? I mean, I, we can pick on individuals, but I'm always hesitant to do that at the collegiate level, at the pro level, at this yeah. fair game. But the collegiate level, you know, they still are college kids. What do you What do you see as being the issues? I, I, here's a couple thoughts. So one one thing people need to realize, and and, and maybe the the, the the fan doesn't see this, but when you know, I'll give you a scenario for instance, if BYU had played UOP at UOP the first game. They would have beaten them quite easily. BYU, the UOP was in kind of a funk. They'd never played them before. Then if they came back to BYU, they'd probably drill them. But the idea that you, they played, UOP actually played uh, BYU competitively for about 20 minutes. And then eventually BYU took over. But what people don't realize is when you start playing people a second time in league, I don't care who they are. You've got film. You 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 can get yourself much more organized. We're down the road, and I and I think what's happened in both these games, Santa Clara and BYU made defensive adjustments that they didn't make, you know, in original games. And I I thought that the adjustments that they made and, and things that I saw number one for BYU was BYU runs a lot of dribble handoff, ball screen action. They they try to turn the corner go north-south, and what ended up happening is in both games, uh, both opponents switched everything. I mean, they switched everything, they gave help, and it forced BYU to kind of go east-west all the time and never really be able to go downhill. And, and Barcello, who is really adept at that, they doubled him. They doubled him a lot and took the ball out of his hands. So as he's coming off that and coming back off it, he's getting doubled, and all of a sudden they get out – They. They get out of their routine. They get out doing what they feel is comfortable. And because Barcello is so crafty. But when you start doubling them, taking the ball out, it, it, they lose their rhythm. And I, and I think the thing, too, that the first half of the season, you're able to do things and teams make adjustments. But if you notice those two games, there was no post presence for the most part. I mean, Trey already had like 10 points. But everybody now is fronting them, covering down and doubling and forcing the ball to go back out. Because if you play Traore one-on-one and you play behind him, he's so quick and so athletic that he can score over most guys. But all of a sudden, he, he got very, very few deep touches throughout that whole game. So now you've taken Traore out of his game, you, you're taking Barcello out of his game, and you're switching everything else, and you're on the road. It is disruptive. And in both of those games... They had kind of the same defensive game plans, and they were very physical, and, 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 and they let them play. You know, and Lucas played good, but, but it, again, it, it gets to a point where they, they lost some confidence. And, you know, you, you, they, I'm, I was just watching and seeing what you expect, and it, it wasn't like BYU was shooting a bad percentage, but they could never get in any kind of flow. And, and that team needs that, you know, and everything works off Burchello. I mean, he, he runs that team, and he's had an amazing year. And, but both those teams took those things away and then, you know, shot it better than they normally do, and then all of a sudden the pressure's on BYU. That being said, that UOP game, I mean, can we get a press breaker, please? I mean, I mean they threw a ball away three or four times in a row and turned it to the doubles. I mean, UOP – as good as they played, it was unfortunate that they gave it all back at the end. And really, I was surprised that BYU didn't end up winning. But I do think that adjustments and playing people the second time make a difference. And, and, and right now, they're, you know, they're not getting 
the consistency and, and and like you said, you know, it's not to pick on players and and but they're they've got some guys that need to step up and there's there's just a loss of confidence, especially on the interior guys, uh, some of the interior guys. But you know, they got a big week this week. It's not going to be easy. They beat USF at their place. Uh, it won't surprise me if BYU beats USF. The, the Gonzaga thing's a whole different animal. But but BYU, I'm, I know that coaching staff, they're so good, and, and they're going to work through this. One of the things that was the classiest things I've heard, and, and a lot of guys don't do this. Sometimes coaches tend to blame circumstances or whatever. But Mark Pope didn't have a single excuse, took complete responsibility for what happened, and felt like I got to be better. Because he does have a great group of guys who play hard and together, and they've had good wins. But uh, this is college basketball. And I know what it feels like, man. Your gut just, just hurts all night and day until you can get to play your next game. But hopefully they'll figure some of those things out. But people are going to make adjustments. Okay, I don't want to go all Quinn Snyder on the Cougars, and we got to talk jazz. But last thing here, BYU's lost one game when they give up less than 70 points. They did lose. They gave up 69 and lost to Van, uh, Vandy, 69-67. But quit giving up 76 and 77 points. And things will go a lot better for you. So yes, no, 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 no question. No All right, question. let's let's and, get to the Jazz. Uh, Joe Ingles, that looks like a major injury. We'll hear about the MRI later today. How do they? What players do they have on a roster that you think might be able to replace some or part of what he? what he can do. I know next man up and all that stuff, but um, and, and partly you do get there by just demanding that from people, and then people will up their game, and yet you still have to be tactical. There's skill sets you're looking for. Obviously, he handles the ball. He has a lot of size. He can see over double teams. He hasn't been shooting the three well, but historically he shoots it very well. How did the Jazz attempt to replace him? Well, the first thing you'd like to have happen is that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will be playing because once they're on the floor, replacing Joe Ingles is a little bit easier. But when you take Joe Ingles out and you're not playing with Donovan Mitchell and you're not playing with Rudy Gobert, you, you got, you got troubles. And, and, and you, you look at who they're, I mean, they, they've got a really tough schedule. I mean, they, they've gone through some difficult times and I mean, they're going to play the Nuggets Wednesday. They dropped 136 on the bucks and, and they're playing really, really well. So they're coming in as a, a very hot team. And uh, then you got the Nets on Friday. So, I mean, I think the most important thing here is when is Mitchell coming back and when is Rudy Gobert comes back? Because no matter what happens with Joe Ingles, if those two aren't playing, it, it's a struggle. And, and I think Clarkson takes a different – I mean, he's going to continue to do what he does off the bench, but he's going to he's gonna have to take more shots. He's going to have more of a role. I, I don't know that they have anybody that really just takes – Ingles' place. I mean, you've got guys there that have come in and contributed, but I think the bigger problem is getting Mitchell and Gobert back because they're they're you know big block the T Wolves, the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Suns. They've had a tough go recently. 0-4 last week, and you're you're missing your best players. It, it's kind of like okay, and I and I, I think they'll play well against the Nuggets. And uh, but to be honest with you, if, if Gobert and Mitchell are not activated. That's, a, that's going to be a really big challenge, no matter who comes out there. So what, what's the latest there? You, you guys are close to that. Do you see those two coming back? Wednesday keep saying night? it's close, and they said Gobert was a mild strain, and it's a week now, and then the other one was concussion protocol, which is over a week. 
with Mitchell. So it looks like it's close. Uh, I don't know if it's specifically Wednesday or Friday, and maybe they figure, well, we can give them basically if we sit them out Wednesday, we can give them pretty much another whole week. But, yeah, everyone's getting nervous now because you're sliding into the standings. And well, yeah, I mean, you can look at they, they, the end of the week. They're in sixth place. Things don't, you know, those guys don't come back. I mean, Denver's playing well. Dallas is, is playing well. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the Jazz going from fourth to sixth this week if they can't get them back. And it's not, I mean, there's not a lot you can do to control injuries and health and safety protocols. I mean, this NBA season has been so strange and so different than anything I've ever experienced watching. But you're right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where Utah's two and eight at the last ten, and and they they've got some tests ahead of them, and, and the Nets will probably have Harden back. And and you know what? I watched the Golden State game, and wow, Kyrie, <laughs> he he hasn't really missed a step. That I mean, he was so good and under control. And uh, so that's going to be a handful on Friday if uh, if they don't get them back as well. Because I, I think the Nets with Kyrie and Harden, I mean, obviously KD's not going to play, but that's going to be a challenge. And then, uh, you know, you've got the Warriors coming up. But they got two or three games, and the Knicks and the Magic and the Rockets, those are the games they can win down the road the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, I, th- I think the key focus is right now Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and, and uh, see, see where that goes. So. Yeah, it's, it's a tough deal. It's a tough deal when injuries and things of this nature. This league is so every night something different's happening, but uh, and, and their schedule has been hard and tough. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I have the answer to that. But they need Mitchell and Gobert back. If they do, they need a good. They need a big win to get their confidence, and hopefully uh, they can turn this thing around. But right now, if they don't come back. you're asking them to do something that I don't think they have the capacity to do. I just don't think they have the depth and and enough difference makers to to beat Denver and to beat those teams. Now, I say that, and every night we look at teams that get beat, they go on the road, and and I always have to go down to who was not there, for what reasons, what was the situation. I don't remember usually doing that. But uh, Jazz has to work ahead, no question. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Happy birthday. Uh, enjoy Thanks. it. Hey, uh, hopefully I'll see you guys Wednesday. All right. We will, uh, we will talk to you again in a week if we don't see you earlier than that. All right, man. Thanks, guys. There is Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Warriors win again. Warriors win again. And uh, for, BYU, for BYU, for uh, Weber State and SUU, A good night of basketball, and we'll see what Utah State does tonight. We'll get to all of that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. This is just a job. This is what we do. We take it seriously. We love Joe. We love what he does on the court. But, you know, man to man, you know, we get to see that happen. And we feel for him. And I wanted to be healthy and play with us. But, you know, business-wise, we got to win. We got to find ways to win without him for whatever period of time that may be. 
The Utah Jazz gearing up for life after Joe Ingles, at least for the rest of this season. We'll see where it goes. The Jazz have lost five in a row. They have lost 11 of the last 13. And now they got to prep for the Denver Nuggets. It's official. Joe's torn his ACL. Who was that talking? He's out for the year. Rudy Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Didn't recognize that voice. So who gets those minutes? Who provides the shooting? Who provides the ball handling? Yes. What? There's no one individual. You're looking for a specific individual? Will Rudy Gay get a little more playing time? Everyone. I just said it. Did you not hear me? I heard you. Because you were struggling to hear the other thing, so well, I was wondering if you Conley. got a little ear problem there going on. No, I don't. Your hairdo looks nice. You're really glad to have me back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. At least we know how highly you think of yourself. I'm back, and you're ecstatic. Because you get to make fun of me. <laughs> Why? You asked a question. I wasn't the only one having a problem figuring it out. Figuring what out? You just said. Who's going to get the minutes? <sighs> or what were we talking about? Whose voice that was? Oh, oh, gotcha. It's everybody. It can't be everybody because they can't play eight guys at a time. They can't plug in four guys who yeah, play Joe. Yeah, but every time they lose, it's eight against five. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Live that. <laughs> No, I think they need a conscious. I can't count on one player because, at least from the offensive end, Joe's game is so diversified. Yep. I mean, I'm gonna, am I going to ask Rudy Gay to turn the left side and go down and look? Do I fake? Uh, do I throw in the corner? Do I lob? Do I do that layup thing? No, obviously he doesn't do that. But can he replace some of the threes that Joe might make? Yes. Can Conley? turn the corner and do some of those things that Joe does? Yes. But they can't ask more minutes out of Conley it's without risking his hamstring. It's not about asking more minutes. It's about asking for more production. Well, it's about minutes also. I don't think so. They'll, they'll have the minutes. They'll play 240 minutes irregardless whether yes. Joe's there or not. So, no. It's, but it's they about, can't ask Conley to play more of those I'm minutes. not asking for minutes. I'm asking for production. Well, you're going to need both. Someone I, will get the extra minutes. But they will minutes. get the minutes. That, that's they will exact, not get, no, but they someone will not get the them. extra minutes from Conley. I don't think they can play Conley more. I don't care. But <laughs> he, he can do more. If he does more and he plays 15 minutes a game and he does more, that's where I'm after. I'm not after. The minutes will be there. You you have to play, guys. That's a given. And so Pascal and Forrest are the ones who will get more minutes, probably. But if they don't give me more production, who cares if they get more minutes? Joe is, is 34 and has an expiring contract. That was where everyone thought the Jazz might go for a trade. What other assets do they have for a trade? They still have his expiring contract. Yeah, but... I know, a lot lot fewer people willing to take that on. It's got to be a straight money deal. No basketball now. Right. Well, the Jazz front office will figure that out. Well, the Jazz try to figure out the Nuggets tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Curry throws to Thompson. Left alone in transition and it's an above the break three. Nothing but net for the Splash Brother. Curry wins the tip. Curry stole the tip. Gets it back from Clay Thompson. The three. Good! From the sideline. Even Curry's impressed with that one. Stewart behind the Baisley screen. Look for Darius on the pick and pop. Never materialized. And so Lou will take it all the way himself and throw down for two. Highlights from around the NBA. The Warriors beat the Rockets 122-108. to Notable for Steph Curry going berserk in the fourth quarter. He had 21 in the fourth. He finished with 40 in the game as the Warriors win again. Well, I'm just grateful that they now have the draft because could you imagine the starting backcourt in the West of John Morant and Steph Curry? They're too small. Man, Whew. good thing. I don't see how you can draft both those guys. John Morant and the Grizzlies lost to the 76ers. No MB, no problem. Tyrese Maxey goes nuts. How about Andre Drummond, 23 friggin' boards. 33 points for Maxey. He played to his Maxey. Right there, man, I'll tell you. Another Kentucky guy. And, yeah, those guys can ball. I've said that for years, obviously. And you win without Joel? That's a big win without Joel. That's fact. I assumed when I saw him out, they were going to be in trouble. But they won it in overtime, 122-119. That's a bad loss for Memphis. Arguably the best player in the league is not there. And yet they lose. Yeah. And Desmond Bain went for 34 points and seven rebounds in He's that overtime. He's the bane of the team. Jazz existence, yes, that's I for know. sure, that's man. Going to stick in everybody's car every time they see him have a game like that. Desmond Bain's going to pick up the production in minutes from Joe Ingles. Let's see how that's going to work. All right. Azubuke. That'd, that'd be great, but I don't see that happening either. The Blazers' woes continue. They lose in Oklahoma City. 98-81. They're nine games under 500. <laughs> the Celtics going to make a trade? What? <laughs> They keep going sideways. They got to win. They beat what the Heat. My woge here. They beat the Heat. They beat the Heat by thirty. They're two games over five hundred. Oh yeah, the Heat set up like ten guys yeah. out in play. All right, there is the NBA DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Couple of big sky games last night. Weber State holds off a late push by Eastern Washington. They win 90 to 84. Southern Utah with a big second half beats Northern Arizona 78-66. Southern Utah, Weber State, the two Montana schools, those four teams pulling away the class of the big sky in a little more than a month. We'll see how that big sky tournament shakes out. Who gets the NCAA tournament bid? Weber State, though, with the lead right now. By game over those other three schools. Utah State tonight right here on The Zone. They are hosting Air Force. That game tips off at 7 o'clock. Scotty G will have the pregame show beginning at 6.30. Ready for another low-scoring, grinding affair tonight? Oh, you just looked at Air Force and figured that's what it's got to be? Yeah. Isn't that what it was last time they played? You tell me, man. You're all things to all people. I don't remember. I think Air Force scored 49 points in that game. Did they win? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. And it was because uh, people were comparing the offensive output with a football team 
which was like, what was it, 48 to 44 or something. Right. And so they were making fun of that because it was the first game. So football was still very much on our minds, college football anyway. And so people were laughing about that, that uh, the football team scored more points than the basketball team, which you know, shouldn't happen, normally does not happen. Both those teams are 3-5 and five in conference coming into that game. Air Force won that game 49-47. We'll see what happens tonight, Scotty G. 6.30 with the pregame, 7 o'clock with the tip right here on The Zone. Hashtag, hashtag NFL. You know, it's a good week for me, and I'm just still going through the process that I said I was going through. So sometimes it, it takes some time to really evaluate how you feel and what you want to do. And, and uh, I think when the time's right, I'll be ready to make a decision one way or another, just like I said last week. That's Tom Brady. He says he has not decided to retire, although ESPN is reported as sticking by it and doing segment after segment on show after show about Brady retiring. You watch ESPN a lot, huh? It's on right now. See how long before they have another Brady retirement segment up there. Yeah, let me know. Well, whatever he decides, I'm fine with it. I'd love to see him play, but got to go sometime. The Rams... And the Bengals getting ready for the Super Bowl, seeing if they can get their guys ready. Tyler Higby, Rams tight end, MCL sprain, might miss the Super Bowl. Bengals tight end, CJ Uzuma, saw him in street clothes in the second half after he hurt his knee. The Bengals, upbeat. Initial tests on his knee say it's simply a sprained MCL. So they both have sprained MCLs and... One is being cast as negative, and he might not be able to play, and the other is positive, but it seems like they're in roughly the same spot. See how that shakes out for those guys as you get to the game. NFL coaching hires, Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. Been rumored and speculated. It's official. He's introduced. Wonder, can he be a Bill Belichick? Now, he's from the offensive side, not the defensive side, but didn't go well the first time. But was rather successful the second time. Will the Raiders do well with a former Bronco coach after the Broncos did very well and won two Super Bowls with a former Raider coach about 20 years ago? He's back to the AFC West for a second shot. You shrugging on all the other uh, the other hires? Anybody jump out at you or wait and see mode as always? Yeah. Does anybody? Is there such a thing as a sure thing? No. Uh, especially with these guys we haven't seen be a head coach before. You might have stronger feelings if we were talking about Harbaugh leaving Michigan for a job. And Supposed to interview with Minnesota today. Right. And the early speculation saw it on was, ESPN. Early speculation was Raiders and Bears, and neither one of those things happened. But see if it happens with the Vikings. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com, 8 o'clock. Talk to him about all things NCAA basketball. See what he thinks of teams as the tournament shapes up. And what kind of damage BYU has done to their seating over the last week with two losses on the road. And 
what kind of help they can provide themselves with two home games against USF and Gonzaga coming up. And Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Trade deadline coming up. We'll talk to him about the Jazz and what they might be able to do now that Joe Ingles is hurt. That's at 9.05. we got tickets to see the Jazz play the Warriors February 9th. we got a couple of tickets, a couple of pairs of tickets to give away, and we will do that later in the show coming up at 8.30 and 9.30. Also, in about 15 minutes, we're going to qualify someone for the TV we're giving away. Got a brand new big screen TV to give away. Bigger than yours? Uh, I don't know exactly how big it is. Because you got a big one. Uh, not no. What do you mean? You just shrunk it? No, times have changed. Did you what go swimming? Was, what was once considered. <laughs> it's a cold lake, man. <laughs> George Costanza. <people. laughs> how do you, if you have a big screen TV, you got one. Unless you threw it away, you still got one. That don't make no sense. You don't have it anymore. It used to be considered a big TV. Now, 50-inch TVs are a dime a dozen. Now, there's 70-inch TVs. There's 90-inch TVs. I don't know how big this TV is. (laughs) It's a brand new big screen TV, but I don't know exactly how big. So we'll have a qualifier coming up at 7.30 for that, and then we'll give away the Jazz and the Warrior tickets at 8.30 and 9.30. Stay tuned for all of that. DJ and PK, the question of the day is on the way right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. Quinton Ganther, running back coach for the University of Utah. We want to be the best in the country, you know, and, and, and I don't want to say that lightly. I mean, that's, that's the goal that I'm setting. I mean, I know, I know what it looks like to play at the next level. I know what it looked like to play at the college level, and I'm going to set the bar to where we are the best in the country. That means as a group, as a whole, that means if one man goes down, then we don't skip a beat, we keep going. You know, next man up mentality. And that's the mentality I want to bring to the group. And, you know, with being such a good group, I think those guys will accept the challenge and be willing to do it because we're all going to be fighting to get on the field, and there's only one football. You got to bring your best every day. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Toast is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res is patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376 or booking online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. If you're up north, it's ZeroResDavisWeber.com. Question of the morning, Joe Ingles finishes his contract season after suffering a torn ACL. If he is done with the Jazz, what's your favorite memory, and how should he be remembered? Got a bunch of good answers here. And I think Brian points out an important point that, as we discuss about it, it will end up being awkward. Brian says, he ain't dead. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Because this will end up sounding like some kind of memorial service. But my favorite memories of him are holding the team together after Hayward left. Well, it has nothing to do with being dead. It's about possibly a decent, strong possibility that his jazz career is over. Right. That's what we're not talking about death. His jazz career could be over. His NBA career could be over. He could move back to Australia. He could decide to sign a one-year contract with the Jazz, but there's a lot of well, other options out there. They have to decide to offer him a one-year contract. And they contract. have to decide to offer him, yeah. Uh, there's lots of options where you know that's the last time we see him in a jazz uniform. 
Brian goes on to say his toughness is trash-talking, getting in other players' heads, knocking down big threes, the headband game, and the Joe Ingles show. He's got a list. Checking it twice. Yeah, that that covers it. That's a good uh, summary of what he's done. And you know what? I don't even think that it's uh, complete, even though he listed He listed a lot of stuff. There's still other things to list. Yeah. Victor went to great radio personality. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean... and I think it's beyond that. The point of that is the connection. The fans are clamoring for a connection. Our guy. And in today's world, these guys are isolated, secluded. And I've had, uh, this was several years back when I worked for the Watchdog, that season ticket holders would, uh, they, they would talk to me and they'd say, you know, in the early days, you could uh, have interaction with these guys. And as it grew and got bigger and bigger, you had less and less to the point of virtually none, except for the time you see them out on the floor floor, uh, during the ball games. And, you know, that's pretty much it. And it used to be like they'd have dinners and whatnot. Well, Joe was able to make that connection to the fan base. He put himself out there that is rare. Stars, do they do that? Uh... No, not not so much. You know, Darren Williams seemed to always be pissed all the time. <laughs> Hayward had a uh, foot and a half out the door as soon as he became a starter. That, that's a fact. I mean, they just didn't want to hear it, and we got in trouble for saying it. But it was the truth. You know, you never you should never run from the truth. But they didn't want to hear it, and so that wasn't much of a connection there. Uh, and O'Kerr would have made it, but you know, he he had a, a little bit of an English issue. Uh, but he was a very warm and open person, and he had no problem. He still is. Uh, and where Joe is all of that, and he put his life out there. And then once the autism thing in came with his son, I think Jacob is his name, uh, you know, he was out there in the community, his wife and these two people from thousands of miles away uh, opened their doors, metaphorically speaking, to the community, and the community rallied. I mean, you look at her social media, and she's out there with... Uh, Wishing the governor's wife a happy birthday and all that stuff. I mean, they obviously have a relationship. And it's really cool in that way because you don't see it that much. And so I think that beyond the court of what he did, just the connection that he made and is making with the fan base is something that the fans just eat up. Plus, his name is Joe, and you can make the average Joe. It's a success story. He's one of us. I wrote about this. They'll post it this morning here. And he's one of us. He just he has a job that's on television, and he's paid millions of dollars. But other than that, which is huge, I get it. He's he's average Joe walking down the street. You know what I wouldn't give right now for him to tweet out his little coffee emojis, because that would mean life was normal. And it's not for him right nope. now. And it's sad. It would have been sad. If he goes out the the way we'd all love to see it, you know, with a championship. <laughs> no, I'm talking about individually. He retires. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were up to me, the statue would be 25, and Jerry Sloan would be screaming four down or something. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Four up, whatever yeah. it was. I mean, that was a golden era, and I would have loved to have seen it continue. But it doesn't. It's the reality of the world in which we live. It's always going to go on. You know, nobody gets out of here alive. 
in terms of uh, Earth. Uh, Earth. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a fact. Then nobody plays forever. You know what I mean? I do. I do. And so you combine all that. You can look at the the, the three pointers and the assists and the the headband and all. But he's the unique individual that it goes so far beyond that. And it hardly does for anybody that it goes beyond that. You, you don't see that as much. You, know, you, you get it a little bit more depending on if they want. Like Conley's wife is very active on social media. And she puts her life out there. Ironically, I don't know if ironic's the word, but uh, Robin Hayward. She's tweeting them. You know, they got the kids, and their kids are so much, they're so special, and they're the greatest kids, and every parent goes through that, and then hopefully, uh, as they get older, you can continue. Some some can't, you know? Little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems. Uh, depends on what the situation is. So you can see a little bit of their lives that I like way. your word, ironically. Because she put the photo out there of the kids in the Celtic gear, and then they'll go to Boston. That was ironic. Yeah. And For better or worse. And that's really social media is the best form, the most likely form of building that connection now. Because you don't see guys around town. You're not as likely to run into them when they're out eating. You're not as likely to run into them on a golf course. Well, why not? Well, they eat two meals a day at the facility now. I mean, they don't, they don't get lunch at the Judge Cafe like Carl did. Everybody knew if they wanted to see Carl, go hang out at the Judge Cafe while he gets lunch because he gets lunch there every day. He's a young player on the rise in that area you talk about with the season ticket holders. Do you think that that would change? Do I think that would change? Yeah, you think if he was playing today, he wouldn't do that? No, if he's playing today, he'd be eating two meals in the facility. I mean, once they build a facility like that and provided those meals yeah, and the chef know. is there. I think it's a different time. It is a different time. Yeah, he was so different than everybody else. I could still see him doing that. But he, some people love the give and take. Yeah, and Joe did. And some, some, That's, some don't. And he embraced it. And sure, coming on each week, it was, it was another form of connection. Just the fact that he did it. I mean, he could have come on there and said, but the fact that he did it was something yeah. that uh, really excited the fan base. And I would imagine that the management must love it. I've never really talked to anybody about it. But there's a connection there. As much as you can make a connection, the better off you're going to be. People want to warm up to you. They want you to be their hero. That's true. Instead of largely anonymous. Yeah, right. I mean, when you look at it this year, I mean, there's a, for whatever reason, there's a huge tail off over the last two seasons. Then if we just go by numbers, I mean, you can look at them. They're there. Yes. So I don't know that his production is necessarily going to be hard to replace because his production wasn't near as good as it was last year or the year before. Especially the shooting. Everything. Statistics are they're just down. So I don't necessarily fret about production. But I think as a sort of a, a spiritual leader, and not in a religious sense, but just as somebody who can keep somebody loose and be a bud, and you know Joe's always going to support you. I think he's the ultimate teammate. He's as good a teammate uh as they're going to have now, you know, sometimes his his biting sarcasm rubs people wrong, uh, but we all have our faults. 
and I think in the end, he would support you. Uh, you know, from when we've heard things, obviously. Uh, and they're together all the time, so guys are going to get on each other's nerves. We get that. That's just the reality of the situation. You know, think back to the first time you went away to college. I mean, it was going to be, if you were fortunate or not fortunate enough, you chose to do that and wanted to do that and could do that. It was inevitable your roommate was going to get on your nerves. <laughs> you were going to get on his, his or her nerves. I mean, it's just the way it is. Two anonymous people thrown together yeah. in a 15 by 15 room. Yeah, so those things happen. And interestingly, my wife has a friend that she didn't know and got together at college, and they're still friends all these years later. And then I have one, you know him, mm-hmm. uh, who texted me yesterday, man, really sorry to hear about Ingles. I know he's your guy. Yeah. And we were just randomly, 100% randomly paired up. We didn't, with my wife, it was, well, she had, they had mutual friends. So that's how they got together in an apartment. To me, it was a dorm, dorm room, and it was 100% random. Nobody knew from the, hey, how's it going? Good. We're going to be roommates, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. And here we are all these years later, still uh, as recently as yesterday, texting me because he's a big sports fan. Obviously, that's why we hit it off. You know what I mean? We probably weren't going to hit it off if he was uh, into the arts. Nothing against the arts, but I'm not into the arts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to a show tonight. You want to go? No. No. I'm going to a basketball game tonight. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in those days, I'm going to play intramural basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played it a ton at the time. And uh, so, Did you play in the dome, or they had some other courts you played on. Both, nice. They had, pro- I think they had three. Okay, uh, they had a field house. I was speaking of NAU. They had a field house. They had uh, another gym where they would play women's games, and then the dome was open. And you know, depending on the time of year, not you know, had to wait till football season was over. Uh, yeah, they put because they played. There are games there in the dome, mm-hmm. so yeah, I did play in the dome. They've had they Thank had you. multiple uh, hardwood floors laid out in the dome, so yes, I did. I played intramurals there too. So there's three different places, and then you'd pay pick up football outside. You're always doing something, right? Uh, softball, we'll catch whatever you name it. We had a good time. Uh, so with all that stuff in mind, yeah, and he did was texting me yesterday, voicing his concern, and that that shows you the kind of connection that Ingles has made, and getting good for him, man. Good for him. I hope, obviously, that he still is in a jazz uniform. I think we all do. But if it ends, if it ends this way, it's sad in a sense, but it was always going to be sad. But at the same time, he can hold his head up knowing that he was a jazz man and he gave them everything he had. And the fan base basically gave itself, collectively speaking, everything it had back to Joe. That's pretty cool. Jeffrey says, I don't think this is the end of Joe's career. But if it is, I can see him in an organizational role moving forward with the Jazz, coaching, or in the scouting department. And there's a whole list of, of people here. Put him on the TV broadcasts. Put him on the bench as a coach. Lots of people had that. PK, we brought this up with him on the radio multiple times. He's out of here. And every single time, he's like... And after the NBA, I'm going back to Australia. And after the NBA, I'm going back to Australia. Well, he should, at least for the time being. 
And he hasn't been there in many years. That's his home. He's got little kids. Turned pro at 17, played a couple years there, and then took off and played internationally. He's in Spain. Yeah, he was in I think Israel. Israel, went first? obviously in the United States. I think he said he's got an older jazz. sister, and she went with him, I think, is the so, story. Yes. Uh, to, to have a... You know, to have some like family member and have, a, have some support. I mean, he was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And now I, he's got... I get that. He's got kids, so what about aunts, uncles, grandparents, extended family? We, we would all want that. That's one of the great, um, I don't know, regrets is not the right word, but issues that Disappointments. I, I never had my kids living in the same community as their grandparents. And my wife has a brother who has two kids that literally were born the same year, and they lived in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And we got together a couple times at funerals, and then occasionally, like so rare. And that in this community of all communities, you ought to understand that you have five kids, and they all have uh, two of the sisters are pregnant at the same time, and you just spend so much time together. Uh, virtually all holidays, everything is inward with the family. Family is such a big deal here. I'm not mocking it. I'm just explaining the way it is. Multiple co-workers yeah. have had uh, extended family Sunday dinners every week, which is what, what they do, which is what you know, my dad had as a kid growing up. And when I was a kid, I got to grow up around all four grandparents and my kids didn't get that. So... Same thing. Disappointment. Some of that maybe can be controlled. Some can't. Um, my well, mom just didn't live with, long enough. I so, had to go where the yeah. job was. Right. Yeah. Go where the job is, and then you're in the next time zone. And it was great. My, my in-laws moved here. So the kids did get some of their childhood with the grandparents in town. Yeah, but it's not the same no. day to day. Nope. A recital, a piano thing, uh a little league game, whatever it might be. We know what the story is. So Joe, of course, he wants his kids to experience that. So I wish him well. And uh, he wants to go back. He doesn't need it. But if he did, I'd help him back because he, he deserves that right, especially because he's been gone for so long. He's literally been gone half of his life now. Yeah. Has not been spent as a full-time resident. In his own, well, I think nineteen years in Australia, his own fi- city, his own country. Ab- yeah, nineteen years in Australia and then fifteen abroad. I think he was nineteen when he went, when he left the the NBL. Yeah, that's a that's a long time. So that's probably not going to happen. We've got a lot of people here. Uh, shout out to the headband. There are so many people mentioning the headband because that was funny for all the winning and all the losing. It, the the goofy stuff sticks with people. Yeah, I don't even remember the game. I just remember the headband. Rob says his number should be hanging in the rafters because of his three-point shooting and loyalty to the team alone. I probably would disagree with that. Part of the connection with the team, he's a free agent, and he he drops a line, something along the lines of, I don't need to go on a tour. I'll meet with him first. The offer was great. I'm here. I think that's the the reality of it, especially because it was in... Uh, confluence is that the right word? With it was in uh, the wake, Hay- it was in the wake of Hayward. Well, it was at the same time, basically. It was literally the same time, and one guy who chased stars, and, and he's going to be rich beyond belief anyway, and it didn't matter, it didn't work out, and the other guy 
just, that really, the Hayward thing really bugged me to, he should have told Mrs. Miller, uh, we can do it over the phone. I don't need you to come to my place high in the hills above San Diego to try to sell me. Uh, it, it seems so degrading. <laughs> come beg and I'm not yeah, going yeah. back Now anyway. the GMs and whatnot. <laughs> you can do that to them. not a woman of such uh, distinguishment, some stature. Stature's a good word. It just seemed... <laughs> I don't think he should have done it to the gym. And I think yeah, he was I, surprised his teammates... I can teammates, live with that. that. He was surprised his teammates showed up. It's like, why make them all come begging? You don't want to go there. You want to go to Boston. Why the dog and pony show on the first, second, and third? Yeah, but not... Especially her, The though. first, not governmentally, but the first lady of the state. Yeah. <laughs> just seems... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just seemed wrong, man. It just seemed wrong to have to do that when you knew what you wanted in your heart. And so, and Joe, wow, you're going to give me $15 million, whatever it was, whatever the average thing out played out? Okay. <laughs> See, that's us. I'm in. Who wouldn't do that? All of us. Okay, this is awesome. You met with the Jazz and they offered you $50 million bucks. Would you just sign on the dotted line and call everybody else and say, I'm signing with the Jazz? Yeah, everyone. Would, everyone playing church ball thinks they would. Everybody in a rec league thinks I they would. I would get do on that. a plane and go to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be right over. Don't move. <laughs> Seriously, one of our bosses called. Said, "Hey, I got a fifty million dollar contract. I'll be right there." Don't move. Don't change your mind. Don't move. Don't do anything. Just sit right there at the desk, and I will haul over there. <laughs> <laughs> Another form of connection with Joe. Yeah. That's what I would have done. Really, really. And that's essentially what he did. Lord. And plus, you got the rags to riches story. I'm going to give the NBA one more shot. One more shot, and I'm 27. 27? Is ancient. It's like, like you hear of people, they break into business later in life. Like You end up with a, a, a top hit at 47. In, in music, and you haven't had any. You know what I mean? It, it just it never happens. And, and it happened with him. One last shot, and he made it. Yeah, Tom Brady is officially <laughs> retired. I can see it right here. Uh, he made his announcement. He announced it on Instagram. Uh, so the process is over. And those ESPN people, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> so, and good for him. I mean, it's again, and they're going to, they're going to, same thing. It's the sa- same type of. Thing in a much larger scale, obviously. But don't you feel NFL a little sad? Right. Because you'd like to watch him for another year. Yeah, he's beyond an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's the ultimate winner in the NFL. And so, yeah. And so, you're going to be sad. I mean, it's it just marks the passage of time when these things happen. You know what I mean? Doesn't it? How many NFL players are left who were playing before we were doing a show together. Maybe some kicker. That's what I was going to say. I have to check the kickers. Yeah. Uh, but Brady. <laughs> and there you go. Let's see. Nick Folk has been out there a good long while, but yeah, I think he he was at – I saw him kick the game-winning kick in 06 against uh, – I was right under the goalpost. He was at Arizona. It was like a 49-yarder. As time ran out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the low-scoring game. One of their two losses. Kicked Arizona past BYU. Yeah, I think they started. In fact, I think that 
No, I think that was the first loss, and then the second loss was Boston College, and then they didn't lose again the rest of the season. And I believe it goes down as one of BYU's best teams. You can argue amongst yourselves this or that, but that team was awesome in 06. Win a TV and cheer on the Utah athletes in Beijing starting this weekend. Caller 12 will be entered to win a brand new big screen TV to be given away this Friday during Unrivaled. Be sure to listen all week for your chance to qualify and win. We're taking Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. When we come back, question of the day, part two. It's the anniversary. We'll look back. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Jordan Schultz. I think Broncos have a real shot to go ahead and get Aaron Rodgers and potentially Adams as well. They have $40 million in the cap. They have an opportunity with a roster that, you know, is, is pretty good across the board. And I was told that they'd be willing to potentially give up one of those young receivers. Maybe, maybe it's Jerry Judy. I know they already paid Sutton. But they have some pieces there. And with that cap, if they go ahead and get discount double check, you know, there's no reason, even in that division, why Denver wouldn't be able to you know, be a, a real contender moving forward. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Valentine's Day is coming soon. Jimmy's Flowers can create something for you or get one of their ready-to-go arrangements for any budget. Jimmy's Flowers with stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden, or online at jimmysflowers.com. Make sure you order early. That's Jimmy's Flowers. If you missed it, Tom Brady, Instagram makes it official. He is retiring. All done after 22 years. Question of the day, part two. Today is February 1st. It's the one-month anniversary of the Rose Bowl. What memory will you take away? Yeah, I put that out there. I figured we could do it 12 times this year. (laughs) It's the (laughs) two-month anniversary. It's the three-month anniversary. Wyatt says, be quiet. It still hurts. LOL. Great. No. Great season. No, 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 no. It does not hurt. he, He followed it with an LOL. He's, oh, he's mocking oh, okay. himself. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the one loss that doesn't hurt. <laughs> no team has ever gotten more credit for a loss than the Utes got for that loss. Maybe there's some loss out there where the team got as much credit. And I have no problem with it. Because? Oh, there's a million reasons. It's n- there wasn't a lot at stake. It's not like when the Ute basketball team lost to Kentucky in the National Traumaship game. I mean, the Final Four... I was there the whole week, and it was probably collectively the most fun I'd ever had uh, because it was so long. Fiesta Bowl was pretty long, too, and that was a lot of fun uh, with with Ute fans running around in San Antonio with the Riverwalk and all that stuff. But you lost a shot to finish number one. You really you lost the Rose Bowl. But that's it. You know, there's no, there's no beyond that. That was your chance to finish four or five or six or whatever. 
and who really remembers? You know, if you would have won the national title, that's one thing. And just your first time going there and the fact that everybody had such a outstanding experience leading up to it, the parade, I was there, and there was tons of youth fans, and then so many folks, because the parade is the you know, first sunup, basically, uh, and you're out in Pasadena, you're not going to go anywhere except hang around. So we're, we're all <laughs> that was that was a long time to truck back to Long Beach or whatever. Right, right. I mean, it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? So everybody is there. Many people walked over. It's a you know, forty-five minute walk, depending on your pace, and you're hanging out. And the Rose Bowl has several open fields. It has the golf course, but on the south side of it, it's huge open fields there. And so there's all sorts of room to just hang out. And they were there by the thousands. People were hanging out. I mean, I, a lot of people called out my initials uh, there. You saw them everywhere. And then the game was incredible. You know, they made a play. And you were beleaguered in the secondary at that point. Eh, okay, they won by a field goal. It just didn't seem like the loss in this case obscured the, the fun that everybody had. And there was a lot of fun to be had. Your team was in the Rose Bowl. There's something cool about that. You didn't win the game. That that would have been the, the proverbial icing, uh, but still you ate the cake. <laughs> and it was a pretty nice cake. You know, it was maybe like a little more frosting. Uh, and so many people had so much fun. And then that night after the game, I drove back to Victorville to get a head start. I stayed at the Marriott there. And you weren't the only one who drove no, back to Victorville to get a head start. Two hundred people talking to me in uh, on, on the on the elevator in the lobby in the parking lot. Yeah, so there was so many people. It was way cool and all that stuff. So I don't think the loss the loss didn't spoil it. It would have made it better if you had won, but I don't think the loss spoiled it. I think that's a fair assessment. I'm a guy who's a win and lose kind of guy. What's the result? Uh, but in this case. I think it's the exception. It's not like, oh, well, you went to the Pac-12 title game. That's really cool. No, that didn't fly. Both times you went and lost. That didn't fly. This is different. Maybe if you go again, and maybe you got a decent chance to go next year. Who knows how it will play out. But if you go again, maybe you'll think differently. And maybe you would have thought differently if it, wouldn't have been, if it would have been anybody but Ohio State. Would have felt different if it was Iowa. But Ohio State yeah. has been built up so much yeah, yeah, yeah. over the decades, and then so much since the playoffs started on top of that. Yes. And boy, that quarterback. However, quarterback however old you really are, good. you've been watching Ohio State your whole life. Mm-hmm. Some of my earliest memories of the Rose Bowl, it was Ohio State, it was Ohio State, and it was Ohio State again. They went four years in a row when I was a little kid. Yes, and they've never really fallen that far for that long. Once or twice for a little blip here and there. Mark says, memories? A quarterback from Little Milford, Utah, throwing a TD pass on the Rose Bowl's big stage. Either that or Britton Covey's kick return for a touchdown. It's not just the kick return. It's when he got across midfield, break away. That's what I love. It's like he turned around. Like the jockey on Secretariat. Okay, where are these dudes? Oh, I'm going to kick it into higher gear. And he did. And he did. You know, he's always been able to 
Reno Mahe it, and you're going left and you See, cut right and, and go but back. But I think to that's the, the cool thing about that kick return is it had both. The but he's first, always been able to do that. I've never seen him have breakaway still, speed like that. I know, that. but it's still cool to do it on the biggest stage and to bounce around and then yeah, shift I, gears. I don't know that it's the biggest stage. Turn on the afterburners. It is. That was an NFL rehearsal. Audition is probably a better word. And that got people, that got their attention. An Eastern Conference scout. Oh, sorry, that's a different story. It said they were able to pull away with a bunch of Ohio State guys who are fast. And yeah, if you want to throw in race, but we don't like to do that. We don't acknowledge that. Uh, he was able to pull away. I mean, we heard it with Cooper Cup here uh, about him. And, you know, if he was black, we'd go nuts. Uh, but he's a, we should be going nuts anyway. And that's uh, Clark was making that point on, uh, what's his name? Is Ryan Clark? Uh, ESPN guy, is yeah. that his name? Yep. Yeah, he was talking about that the other day. Uh, so, just I love the way he just turned it on and ran away from them. That was big time sweet. And a couple things that I remember about the game with him was he scored the first touchdown. I remember thinking at the time, man, he's got that signature punt return against Oregon at the half. And now he scored a Rose Bowl touchdown. He's done it all. To think he was going to do one more thing in that game, and that kick return tops the Oregon punt return, and that kick return tops his first Rose Bowl touchdown. And watching on TV, and you're at the game, so it's a little different, although you've certainly seen the TV, they have the angles, they show the replays of it. All the Ute fans in that end zone, especially that corner of the end zone. That's where the band was. As he's running to them, they are just going nuts. Yeah. And they are just out of their minds. Yeah, the band was right over there, too. So, and that was their side of the field. Yeah, it was, that's the one thing I'm going to take. The littlest dude on the field doing all that. I actually thought the punt return that he has a freshman against SC was better than the Oregon one. They just set up a wall in Oregon, and he just ran down the sideline. But his signature ability is his ability to dash and cut while maintaining balance. It's just incredible that you can do that without falling, without slowing down. That's just amazing to me. And you know, one of the one of the things that kept him healthy this year is that it was hard to get a clean shot. If you get a clean shot at him like he did against yeah. Washington and that, what, what you You're bigger, that? he's smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's going to hurt. So he can't afford to have these guys, because literally everyone is bigger than him. Literally everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's not yeah. an exaggeration. The kicker's bigger than him. He's the size of our producer who just said, let's go to the break right now. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> How tall are you, Megan? Five foot. Five. All right, he's got a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ PK coming up. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. NCAA basketball, what kind of shot do the Cougars have at a 6 seed, an 8 seed, a 10 seed? What kind of damage have they done to themselves the last week? Where are they going from here? We will talk with him coming up. And how do the Big 12 and the Pac-12 stack up? Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. Next, on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're giving away jazz tickets at 8.30 to see the Jazz and the Warriors. Stick around for that right here on The Zone Sports Network.
the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ PK, it is time right now to welcome back Ken Pomeroy to the show, KenPom.com. He's got his mathematical formula to rank college basketball teams, and he's done it so well. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee likes to take a peek at his numbers as they see teams into the NCAA Tournament. Ken, welcome back to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. always love to chat. Do you know that he has his own Wikipedia, Ken Palm? DJ. I do. I and do know that. so freaking huge, it's beyond belief. You know what's wild is like that page has not been updated in about mm, 10 or 12 years, probably about 10 years. What what do you want on it? (laughs) Well, I uh, I don't don't want anything on it, but I think some of the the information may not be entirely accurate is all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, update the picture so when you're outside the door, I recognize you. You didn't recognize him outside the door? You don't remember that story? I was walking out one day, and he wasn't going in through security, or he's at door nine or whatever, and I didn't know he was coming. He's on somebody else's show. And were you there with your bike? Did you bike over? I was. Yeah, yeah. I was there. So you were there with your bike, and it's like, hey, how do I get in? I didn't know who he's there. And at that point, I think I'd, I think I'd met you once or twice. So you blew him off? I, like, I couldn't let him into the arena, not knowing who he was. He's Ken Palm. I didn't know that in that moment. Why yeah. didn't you ask me? <laughs> you weren't there. I've sh- I've broke bread with the guy. I have not. <laughs> Much to his relief, because nobody wants to watch me eat. Yuck. It's full contact sport. And usually a couple offensive fouls committed there. All right, Ken, so we were intrigued to have you on for multiple reasons, but one of them was BYU drops two games on the road. It's the kind of thing that's knocked them out of the tournament before. Now, they're pretty far into the tournament, and they still have USF at home, and they got a road game at St. Mary's, and I suppose they could mess up another game against the bottom half of the league. they got to play, I think, Loyola and Pepperdine a couple times down the stretch. How solid are they in the tournament? Where do you see them being seated right now? What do you think? I think they're still pretty. They're in pretty good shape. You know, you, you break down the schedule the rest of the way, and they have seven games on the schedule. They could conceivably, I guess, they're still at Portland games that got canceled earlier in the year. They're still technically listed as postponed. They could end up playing. I'm not sure they're going to play that. But, but with the seven games left on the schedule, you know, there's two like improbable wins. We'll say, you know, obviously they have Gonzaga at home this Saturday, and uh, they have at St. Mary's in a couple weeks. Yeah, you just assume those are two losses. You know, the other five games are, are all winnable. If they won all five of those games, they'd be easily in. Even so, you know, same San Francisco they're playing this Thursday. You know, another kind of fellow tournament team theoretically. Um, you know, assuming they take care of business there, and then assuming they take care of business a week from Thursday at Loyola Marymount. The other three games on the schedule are, you know, virtual automatic wins. Obviously, after losing to Pacific, you, you're a little scared to say that, but. Uh, assuming they, you know, just win one of those two kind of tough games that they're going to be favored in San Francisco and Loyola Marymount, I still think they're in great shape. The non-conference resume looks very good, and they've actually been done a bunch of favors by just about virtually every team they played in non-conference, probably besides the Utes. You know, like Oregon is coming on strong. San Diego State is playing well right now. Utah State has come to life. 
Um, you know, even Weber State is obviously playing well in the Big Sky, and that's not going to you know wow anybody from a resume standpoint. But it's you know a sneaky decent win at this point. So things are coming together, and I, I still think they're. I would not panic. You know, they take care of business down the stretch. They're going to be pretty safely in in terms of a you know seven eight nine seed. I'd say based on the non conference resume, I, I think they're going to be fine. So I was going to ask you their departure, which is after next season. How much you think it would hurt? the West Coast Conference as far as seeding purposes, particularly from Gonzaga, which is always shooting for a one seed. But then I thought maybe the better question is, is it a big deal when when the bracket comes out to be seeded like a one versus a two, uh, a two versus a three? You know, I guess maybe, you know, two versus a seven or eight. I get that. But I'm just talking about one line. How big of a deal do you think that is? It is not a big deal at all. Like people make such such a huge stink about you know teams that get misseeded by a line or two, you know, when the bracket comes out. And where it really matters is you know going from like three to five or something. You know, you go from facing kind of a an auto bid team from a, a lesser conference if you're a three to a you know, a team that's almost your equal if you're playing that five twelve game. We know, you know, the history of the five twelve game and how often the twelve team wins. So, um, so that's you know, it, it makes a difference in those you know first round games from that standpoint. But going from one to two makes almost no difference. I mean, I've I've looked at this in the past, and you know, a team like Gonzaga, when you're when you're seeded one or two, you're not thinking really about the first round. You're thinking about winning it all, pretty much. That should be your goal. And yeah. It, you know whether you're one or two does not affect your chances of winning a title hardly at all. What really affects your chances is who else is in your region, and um, then ultimately, you know, bracket luck plays a lot of role, a big role as well. You know, are the two or three or four seeds advancing to face you in later rounds, or are they getting upset? You know, like Houston last year, you know, they get to a Final Four and they didn't really, you know, they didn't really have to be challenged pretty much most of that tournament. They were a very good team, but. They also got some nice breaks in terms of just having their uh, path to the Final Four uh, become uh, much easier than you might have expected. Ken Pomeroy joining us from KenPom.com. Have you run numbers on the Big 12 to see what they are right now versus what they would be with a couple of teams gone and four more arriving? I have. I have done that. I did that yeah, in the offseason when the official announcement was made and you know, the thing about college basketball is it is, at least over the past, you know, seven, eight years, conference-wise, you know, we talk about the power leagues, you know, and college basketball, you have six, really, with the Big East, so power six in college basketball, and, um, you know, people talk about the power leagues as some sort of monolith, but but they're not, like, there's, there have clearly been two leagues that have uh, separated themselves in, in recent history, and that is uh, the Big 12 and the Big 10, Um Big 12 generally has been the best conference in college basketball over that time, and they've asserted themselves again this season to really being obviously the best conference in college basketball this year. Um, so, you know, the start, you're starting from that standpoint. This is clearly the best league year in, year out, or maybe the second best in some years. Um, and so when you remove Texas and Oklahoma and you add the four newcomers, you know, the conference takes a, a step back, but they're like so far ahead of, you know, 30, 30 other leagues, basically, um, that, you know, they're still going to be very good. In fact, if you, if you 
put those four new teams in, if you just use the, the future conference composition and applied it retroactively and looked at it the past six, seven years, um, it actually still would have averaged out as the best conference in college basketball. So the future is, is very strong, you know, with the caveats that, you know, you assume Kansas is going to be great whenever Bill Self retires, the Hank decides to retire. Um, you assume that Baylor and Texas Tech, who, you know, 10, 15 years ago were not fairly strong programs. Uh, you assume that they continue to be, you know, in the case of Baylor, a top five, top 10 program year in, year out. In the case of Texas Tech, a top 15, top 20 program year in, year out. If you, if you get those wishes, if you get Cincinnati, you know, kind of recovering to a, um, a level they had, you know, 15, 20 years ago, then uh, then you're still going to have a, a very, very strong league, which obviously is, is going to help BYU from an at-large standpoint tremendously. I have a Wooden Award vote, Kenny Palm, and so this time of year they just sent me a thing with the uh, latest uh, guys that uh, should be considered that are going to be on the ballot. Uh, I don't know how much you focus on individuals, but uh, you know I look at their stats and all that, try to watch them individually as opposed to watching the teams because that's what my vote is decided upon. It's an individual award. Uh, do you have any leading candidates? Well, uh, you know, I do have a, kind of an automated version of the Player of the Year Award, and right now the leader in that is Oscar Seaway of Kentucky, who has um, primarily uh, made news for his just incredible rebounding ability. Um you know, people focus on on rebounds per game, and, and he you know is regularly in double digits and irregularly getting over twenty rebounds a game, which is phenomenal. But even when you break it down, as I do, by offensive and defensive rebounding, he actually leads the country in terms of offensive rebounding percentage and defensive rebounding percentage. So you know, he's grabbing by himself twenty percent of his own team's misses, which I really should. Uh, calculate where that ranks among teams because there are definitely teams that do not grab 20% of their own misses. Uh, in fact, the average team uh, has an offensive rebounding percentage of around 28% nationally. So he's like by himself a, you know, a competent offensive rebounding team on his own. And then defensively, he's grabbing 36% of opponents misses. So, um, so he's, you know, a pretty skilled offensive player as well, but, uh, but where he's just, wrecking people is on the boards and then you know he's also kind of a menace defensively as well he, you know gets a few block shots gets his hands on balls he just does a lot of different things and with Kentucky coming on strong now they're up to number two in my ratings this morning which is a, a season high uh, you know this is a, a team that's going to make some noise nationally not like it's hard for Kentucky to do that but they really do have the, the quality of team right now that is deserving of maybe more accolades than they're getting so um, so I think I think she weighs the choice right now. And there's not really, you know, people have talked about Ochai Baji at, at Kansas and maybe being a, a contender. Kansas is, I think, quite a bit overrated at this point. But um, there's some other other players in the Big Ten that have, have made their name. But um, I think she is kind of distinguishing himself at this point. Okay. Ken Pomeroy joining us, KenPom.com. I read a story, and this goes with what you said about the the Big 12 and the Big Ten pulling away. I know there was a time when the ACC and the Big East were the big brand names, but that's not how it's been the last few years. His story said that seven of the top ten players were in the Big Ten. You buying that? To some extent. I mean, you know, the, the issue is, um, the issue is, you know, once you, again, once you get past Shibway, I think is like kind of separating himself. 
you know, they're, nobody else is really separating themselves. So, there, you know, there are, you can certainly, especially if you're, you know, working in the, the Big Ten uh, commissioner's office, there's certainly uh, seven people you can find that are, like, plausibly, like, first or second team All-American. Um, you know, the emergence of uh, somebody like Johnny Davis at Wisconsin, who really just came out of nowhere this year. Um, you know, he's had a terrific year uh, as a winning for them. Keegan Murray at Iowa has been outstanding. Um, EJ Liddell at Ohio State is another guy who early in the season was really putting up huge numbers and still putting up decent numbers. Um, the problem is really none of those teams have necessarily, you know, distinguished themselves nationally. And so that puts a little bit of a lid on, you know, where they might deserve to be placed in terms of All-American teams. But, um, yeah, certainly certainly from an individual standpoint, I think uh, the Big Ten has, has had the, the best collection of, uh, I guess, individual players from a, a stat standpoint so far this season. How much do you factor in competition? Because you look at Utah Valley's Amick, you know, he's 19-1 and 13-6. I mean, 13-6 isn't uh, 15 as Oscar is, but uh, he's obviously a big-time double-double machine. Yeah, I mean, clearly you have to factor in, you know, competition. I mean, AMAC's an outstanding player, and if you're just like a college hoops fan, you know, looking to catch a game the rest of the season, I would thoroughly recommend checking out UVU because, uh, you know, they're having a pretty solid year in the WAC, and uh, the newly expanded WAC has some, you know, decent teams now, and uh, and AMAC's really a special player in terms of what he can do rebounding-wise. He's kind of expanded his game a little bit in terms of being able to take some perimeter shots as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't think he's like a viable, you know, all-American candidate. He's certainly a viable, like, whack player of the year type of guy. But, he, you know, ultimately, you just don't see guys from, from you know, the likes of Utah Valley making all-American teams unless they're, you know, going – 25 and 2 or something and you got a yeah you know a John Moran situation or something like that Ken Pomeroy joining us from KenPom.com. Uh, PK and I were discussing NCAA tournament bids, and he was saying the West Coast Conference. When have they been a four-bid league? And you've got uh, USF at 38 as the fourth best team in the conference. I'm curious how you see NCAA bids distributed, at least among the, the Western conferences that the people here are likely to follow. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, that's... I've been a kind of a skeptic. There's been a you know the narrative really since the first you know set me second or third week of the year that the WCC could be a a four bid league, and you know early it uh, obviously Gonzaga's there and early it looked like BYU was a lock and I think they're still in great shape and then it was like you know St Mary's and, and USF did they get in and it's just it's it's tough like it always looks great early in the season but then once you get into conference play obviously it gets tough when these teams start playing each other and usually one team ends up on the wrong side of those decisions and and drops out but you know so far san francisco's hanging in there st mary's is is really playing great i mean you know they're probably the second best team in the league right now i mean BYU obviously that lost pacific you have to drop them a little bit but um but san francisco's hanging in there and um they still have a a great chance of um you know, sneaking into the tournament. And um, in part, that's due because of, you know, what they did in non-conference play. Um, largely, you know, not embarrassing themselves. They have a nice win over, over Davidson and UAB um, and Fresno State. You know, those are not household names, but they're good teams. And um, and obviously the loss to Loyola Chicago out here didn't hurt them really that much. Loyola Chicago should be a safe at-large team. 
Um, but right now, San Francisco four and three in conference. So you know they're going to have to to beat you know one of the big boys. You know maybe once, maybe twice, and avoid those bad losses the rest of the way. Um, but they can do it, and they can still get in in large part because um, the Pac-12 has sort of you know vacated the premises. I mean they have obviously Arizona and UCLA and USC, and those three teams are going to be in the tournament, but. Uh, they may not get anybody else. You know, Oregon's coming on strong, so they may get there. But this is, you know, the Pac-12 is not exactly hogging bids here out west, fellas. So, uh, you know, the WCC will will have an opportunity to take advantage of that, as will the Mountain West. I mean, the Mountain West really has like five teams at the top of the league that are all pretty even with each other competitively. Um, so it seems unlikely the Mountain West should be like a five-bid league. But you know, with that many good teams, like they could. They could get three or four in as well, and uh, and so we're going to see you know the bids kind of equally spread here. I think among uh, each of these Western leagues. Still a few weeks to go, but as far as Pac-12 Player of the Year, I want Johnny Juzang just because I think it's a fun name to say. That's a, that's a great reason, PK. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's why I root for Debo Samuel. Don't kid yourself, I mean, Johnny Juzang. I mean that just rolls, doesn't it, Ken? <laughs> what do you have against Christian Coloco? I can make a case that uh, <laughs> that's more fun. Uh, it, it, I'll give you that, but I, I don't know that it's more fun. I, I like Johnny Juzang. I mean, Johnny Juzang, just Johnny. I mean, Johnny is an underutilized name for it. If you're named Johnny as an athlete, boom, you automatically have credibility. You do? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. It's been that way <laughs> since Unitas. He's bequeathed that to all the other Johnnies. Johnny Bench? Come on. Does Ainge really box. get the run that he gets if he was Dan or Daniel? No, but Danny. That's true. Definitely a sports thing. To just, you you know. always think of Danny as like a 21-year-old. He's like 62, <laughs> 63 years old now. But Danny, man, six, you know, you think of him in 1981, streaking down the court. Whether he's Dan or Daniel, no. You'd think of him as an old man. That's true. <laughs> I've always wondered why his Twitter handle, though, is Daniel Ainge. That. Ah, you got to be dignified, I guess. Gives him a little more authority, I guess. <laughs> but how about Pac-12 Player of the Year? I mean, Juzang's having a nice season. Juzang is having a nice year. Juzang is having a nice year. I mean, uh, uh, UCLA and Arizona square off again. You know, round two of uh, this battle between the two clear top teams in the Pac-12 on Thursday night. And so, um, you know, that might have a say in this. But Juzang's probably the favorite. But I would not – I seriously would not uh, dismiss what – the Arizona guys are doing. I mean, Coloco has really made huge. Yeah, but they're strides Arizona this year. guys. They're just bad people. Well, I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> There's the character clause, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Is, that, is, that, uh, is that a thing? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I get it. I'm not going to uh, convince you otherwise on that front. But either Coloco or Benedict Matherin, uh, who's their uh, really talented. Wing. I mean, they both made tremendous strides this year for Arizona. and kind of allowed them to come from, you know, pretty much obscurity to start the season. They weren't, uh, you know, weren't given much of a chance to compete with uh, the likes of UCLA heading into the season. And, you know, they, they've been a, a very solid team. I think pretty underrated, flying under the radar a bit because, you know, obviously losing to UCLA last week, uh, especially, you know, given that nobody on the East Coast really could watch that game. But losing that game, I think, Preventing them maybe from getting more more publicity than yeah they'll probably get two more got. chances though I can see those two squaring off in Vegas. You would think so. You would think so. Yeah, I mean they're clearly the two best teams in the league, so you'd think that would happen. 
Well, Ken, as always, we appreciate it. BYU is a 7, 8, or 9, somewhere in that neighborhood. We'll, we'll put you down for that. Put me down for that, and uh, we'll check back later on, uh, on how that worked out. Sure. All right. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com. You can check him out online. He's got BYU at uh, 28 right now in his rankings. Yeah, I, they've got a rebound, man. That was disheartening. Uh, it may not be crushing right now, but if you compound it, it would be. And and I think for them, it's not about just getting the tournament. It's about winning a ball game. You know, it's something that Mark Pope hasn't done. He can get the opportunity that first year. I think they would have gotten it. And then last year, he gets uh, saddled with a team that goes uh, all the way to the final. Right? Uh, then they then they get uh, or uh, final four. Final anyway. four. Yeah. Um, I think uh, what's his face Suggs hit that runner in the in the semifinal game to, to beat them from Gonzaga. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they faced a real hot team. Big time t- they were big-time hot at that time, clearly, uh, because they were doubtful to get in. So if the Cougars can win a game this year after losing their two experienced big guys, I think that's there's no other way that you can classify it but as a successful season. Yeah, but are you really expecting that? Well, if they get a seven seed, why not? Yeah. Man, you just dismissed them. Well, my expectations since those guys went down have been pretty low. And they've consistently overachieved my expectations uh, until this last week. I don't think either of those guys were I know, but you just you need some size. You're well, right. They got the, the, the AAA young kid. He's got size. He's a youngster. He's raw and all. But as you get 20, 25 games in, you got Chris Burgess, a big man coach. Coach him up there. You're not a rookie anymore. And, uh, what do they call him? Foose uh, Tiore. I mean, yep. he's undersized. I get it, but he's tough. He's, he's grabbed a lot of rebounds. So for him. he's grabbed a lot of boards. I, yeah, I have an expectation for them to win a game. Absolutely, that's the standard. That's what that's what you want. Minimally, that's what you want, and that's what they need. So yes, I do. Now a lot of it is matchup, and depending on how they finish off this thing. That remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think they should be thinking. And they're probably going to say, you know, they want more than that. I get that. But deep down, if they win a game in the tournament, Pope's first win in the tournament for BYU for in his coaching career, and it's been a while since they've won a game, and I guess you can even count the play-in game. That sort of counts. Your, your point is getting to the round of 32. Yeah, I think that's a big, big deal for them. It was a disappointment last year. Two years ago, they didn't get the shot because of what happened. And that was a different flavor of disappointment because it did look like they were set up to do it. Yes, they had a lot of things going on for them. Right. And could that have been a Sweet 16 team? Where could they have gone? Possibly if things broke right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they never never filled out the bracket that year. We never saw who the matchups would have been, how much they would have had to travel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, they could have got beat in the first round because their last game that they played together, they sort of tripped over themselves yeah. against St. Mary's in, in Vegas. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're giving away tickets to see the Jazz and the Warriors. We will do that right after the break. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He joins us at 9 o'clock. Joe Ingles' memories, is this it? <laughs> scenario out there where this isn't it, but there's multiple scenarios out there where this is it. If this is it, Joe, the best memories. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. 
Let's do it. Jordan Schultz. I think Broncos have a real shot to go ahead and get Aaron Rodgers and potentially Adams as well. They have $40 million in cap. They have an opportunity with a roster that, you know, is, is pretty good across the board. And I was told that they'd be willing to potentially give up one of those young receivers. Maybe, maybe it's Jerry Judy. I know they already paid Sutton. But they have some pieces there. And with that cap, if they go ahead and get discount double check, you know, there's no reason, even in that division, why Denver wouldn't be able to you know, be a, a real contender moving forward. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got tickets to see the Jazz and the Warriors. Woohoo! Yeah. Warriors? Yeah. Sweet. Coming up February 9th. That is one week from tomorrow. The Warriors will be here. Got a, So next Wednesday. Got a, yes. Ooh. Got a pair of tickets. Hold on a second. What's the number? You can't win. Ah, fetch. You know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you'll find a way to get tickets. How do you, you not want to see the Warriors? Steph Curry hasn't put on a show since last night. 21 points in the fourth quarter. Finished with 40 and make sure his Warriors won the game, which they did. Warriors beat the Rockets last night. So if you want to see the Jazz and the Warriors, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Be caller number 12. We'll send you to the game. If you don't win now, you can try again at 930. We'll have another pair of tickets. So we got the Joe Engel news. You ready for a little memory lane? Memory lane's getting crowded now. Memory lane needs to become memory boulevard. Memory freeway? interstate highway. Yeah, <laughs> memory freeway. It's funny you say that, interstate highway because we're coming out of the Rose Bowl and uh, I normally would go through downtown to where I live. Well, now I'm going to go along the foothills to, to go up to start to get up to Victorville, right? So my wife's got the, uh, the thing, the GPS thing on the phone. And it says, stay in the left six lanes. <laughs> and I say to her, man, we know we ain't in Salt Lake now. <laughs> the left six lanes. Get on the 210 out of there. Yeah, stay in the, and as you're merging on, stay in the left six lanes. Wow. <laughs> Paved a big chunk of the hillside to do this, didn't you? Yeah, we don't have them six laners uh, around here. Well, on the old memory interstate, we got six lanes for Joe Ingles memories. And now if you want to throw in Tom Brady memories, because he went on Instagram a little while ago and this morning and cleared it all up. The process is now finished. He's now retiring. Adam Schefter was right. ESPN was right. He's out. 22 years. 10 Super Bowls. Seven wins. Staggering. Yeah. Unparalleled in the the debate, Joe Montana or John Elway? Who's the best quarterback of all time? Behind Tom Brady. And he (laughs) Brady comes along and wins more Super Bowls than those two guys combined, goes to more Super Bowls than those two guys combined. Elway went to five and Montana went to four. They had nine. Brady went to ten. Montana won four and Elway won two. That's six. Brady took home seven. That's that the you, ultimate ride-off in the sunset. <laughs> right? That you sick. could go to more Super Bowls and win more Super Bowls than Elway and Montana combined. You're out there in dreamland territory. 
And then yeah. you woke up. I don't judge it by Super Bowl wins, though. Well, you could judge it by 22 years of going to the playoffs year after year after year. You can do that. You could judge it by all the fourth quarter comebacks you saw out of him. Well, how would you like to judge it? There's probably other ways you can judge it. The Taking thing is a that team that was mediocre the, the year before and getting them to the Super Bowl, which is right at the end here. Just going what he did going to the box. Yeah. And how he was the difference. You know, if he's always cracked up to be, he ought to be the difference. Well, you know, he got Gronk to come along with him. He is. Uh, but that that was that might be the most impressive of all of that. You know, Elway gets credit for two, Manning gets credit for two, and one of them, each of them, were basically handing off. Now, that doesn't take away from their greatness at all, because in their primes, they were awesome. Roethlisberger had two, and he basically handed off in one also. That's another guy you can put on the list there. And I don't think Roethlisberger is going to go in the discussion of uh, goatish, but no. nevertheless, he's also going to go in the Hall of Fame. And so you walk away thinking, yeah, I had a phenomenal career. Everyone who's ever thrown a football, if you ask them, would you take Brendan Roethlisberger's NFL career? Oh, yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Brady is dreamland. Yes. It's beyond comprehension. Yeah. And the most popular sport, I mean, the numbers bear it out. One of the greatest things to me is that the NFL got beyond the politics and got back to this. Now, that's my own personal opinion. If you want them to kneel and roll over and do whatever you want, fine. But this is my personal opinion, so I can't be wrong on this. Uh, I like sports as a diversion. And to get the NFL back to where it was and the numbers and television, what I've been seeing, because they're on social media and they they just Massive. been enormous. Yeah. And I can see why, because... It's the games have been phenomenal. The games have been, yeah, incredible, and it's a great, great sport. And, and it's reinventing itself. Brady's, I mean, we, Drew Brees just retired. I was going to say, we just lost Drew Brees like he died. Uh, Drew Brees just retired. A year later, Brady retires. Roethlisberger looks like he's retiring. Oh, he is. He's Aaron Rodgers. announced it last is, week. Is he going to retire? No. Oh, no, no. He wants, he wants a drama. <laughs> Look at you. So in a couple more years, he's 38. So there's a whole generation of guys either hanging it up or about to. Yeah. Well, oh. And the next generation, Mahomes is 26. Well, I think all sports reinvent themselves. Exactly. Josh Allen, wildly entertaining. I'll watch that guy play quarterback all day long. Joe Burrow, I'll watch that guy play quarterback all day long. I spoke to somebody over the weekend on Saturday, and we were talking some NFL football. And this is a man who I greatly respect. And he said to me that Josh Allen can be better than all the quarterbacks in the game today. Well, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, the AFC alone is loaded with so many good young quarterbacks. And three of them already have postseason wins. Two of them yeah. have been to Super Bowls once yeah. Burrow plays in it here in two weeks. And he saw Allen play in that game against KC. He was mm-hmm. there. And he's got a keen, keen mind for football. And he was just raving about Allen. Absolutely raving about him. So Yeah, I believe it. And, I think yeah, those three guys, yeah. after the game when Mahomes tells Josh Allen we're going to do this a lot, he knows he's going to run into him in the playoffs again and again and again. And I think you throw Burrow right in there. Now, that doesn't mean that one of these other young quarterbacks can't step up and and join them because they can, but it's getting real crowded. See, that's the the essence of Brady's greatness is consistent greatness because we just named 
several up-and-coming stars, and I agree with every one that you said. But two, three years ago, even though he's a little older now, we would have put Russell Wilson in that category, and we didn't even mention his name. The Seahawks have fallen off, right? But we would always, for 20 friggin' years, You would never do a list of the top three or four and not, yeah. Right. Right. And that, that's the essence of that greatness, is that he would always be in the discussion. He's always be, now if you didn't have him at the top, your choice, but you would certainly have him near, and he would always be in that discussion for two decades. Now how much has Russell Wilson fallen off, and how much have the Seahawks fallen off? Because you've spent the last few weeks saying, I overrate the impact of quarterbacks on NFL teams. It is the ultimate team game which we've all heard. And the truth is, if Seattle decides to trade Russell Wilson, teams will line up. Now, it may not work out, and they may give up too much and gut themselves in the process, so there's a lot that can go wrong. But nonetheless, teams will line up to get Russell Wilson if he's on the trade market. Well, depending on who you have or do you yes, don't Yes, but decent teams that are playoff-ish, 500-ish. I mean, Pittsburgh did get in. Denver did not. And Pittsburgh would be like... Carolina. would, would love to have Russell Wilson right yeah. now to replace... Carolina and Washington would, would line up in a heartbeat. It'd be interesting to see if a team like Philadelphia did. I would. I would take them. Yeah. I still think he's really good, but the team has fallen off. But yet the Patriots, and a lot of that goes with Belichick and all that, but still, when you look at what Brady did with a bunch of no-name, undersized guys, I mean... You can name them, but you don't even remember when they were there. No. Nope. When did Amendola play? When did Julian Edelman play? Right. Uh, and who's the other? Well, there's another guy. I think he paid for the. Uh, you're you're right, and I'm blanking too. Uh, played for the Chargers this year, didn't he? Uh, Twitter set us up. What was his name? Uh, guys that were quarterbacks in lower divisions places, and you know Gronk was a star, great, and he is a star. Um, and, and Moss for a time. <laughs> Moss came in. Yeah, but you know, so many players that uh, he... Are you thinking Are you thinking Wes Welker or Welker's Danny Woodhead? One, Woodhead. Oh, but, uh, there's a guy who's on the Chargers this year. Uh, and all those guys. I mean, a slew of guys. And he was there, except for that one season he got hurt. He was there year after year after year. To me, and the Super Bowls, yeah, they punctuate it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that they that that's so impressive, uh, the number that he's won and the number that he's participated in, uh, but just the, the the phenomenal level of consistent greatness, because you you to to play at forty four and and really at thirty seven thirty eight so forth, it has to be a day to day year long commitment. You know you can't decide. Well, it's June. We got camp next month. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I got to go take those fifteen pounds. Yeah, I'm going to start getting serious. It doesn't it can't be that. It has to literally be every day, and that's what allowed him, and some good fortune along the way, sure. But it allowed him to continue. He made that commitment that this it was this is what it was going to be. You know, Carl Malone did that. He obviously had a commitment there, and he never wavered from that commitment that I'm going to do this that's going to allow me to do that for an extended period. And Malone, Malone had, he retired late, but he had stuff in the tank. He could have played more. He may not have been the MVP level, 
but he still had more because he had made that commitment that this is what I'm going to do. The Athletics count down the top 75 players in the NBA's 75th year, and they did stuff on Stockton loans as part of the countdown. They profile each guy along the way every day. And I can't remember which guys it was in, but Stockton told the story that Carl Malone would call him at some freakishly early hour. Now, he did have the advantage of a couple time zones, but you know he'd figured out like Carl was lifting at 6 a.m., so he'd call John at 4 a.m. What are you up to, young man? And he could hear the, the barbells clanging. Right. It's obvious he made a commitment. You only need to look at him. You don't get to that without basically making a lifestyle commitment. And we've seen a number of dudes that didn't make that. Shaq. <laughs> you know what I mean? Colby? I do. Yes, I think that... One of the most shocking things I saw in an NBA game. I always watch sports, and the thing you value most is the thing you see that you never get to see. Is so much of it you've seen before. And the Lakers win a title, and they cut to the camera that's by the locker room door. Because you can't go in the locker room. But the players are running in the locker room celebrating, and somebody runs in and throws the door open, and Shaq's already in there, and his shirt is off. Whoa, Shaq! Yeah. And he enjoyed life, and he's gotten yeah. a lot out of it. So be it. Fine. Yeah. Um, he's still got four titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. can all sit here and wonder if he could have, would have, should have had five, six, or oh, seven. There's no doubt but, in my mind that yeah. they could have, uh, but they let other things get in the way. And Brady doing what he did, and the fact that it, what, he was a sixth-round pick, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your greatest is a sixth-round pick, not in an era where scouting wasn't a big deal, not in an era like in the NBA where we weren't really sure what those foreign guys could do. Well, now, of course... No, this is a Michigan quarterback Yeah, in an era when everybody scouted Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, There was plenty. There were plenty of eyes on him. Right. Mel Kuyper is doing his thing back then. Yeah. And, And they're still obsessing. Maybe they obsess more about the draft. And they got it wrong. They got it so wrong, and he got it so right. It's just, it, it adds to, it's not a complete Kurt Warner box and groceries success story, but it's still pretty doggone impressive. And I saw the other day they were listing all the quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him, the guys that I don't I have the slightest memory whatsoever. And one of the guys in Michigan, he split time, what was his name? Henson? Hanson? Drew, Drew Henson. and he grew up here because his dad coached the U. Oh yeah, yeah. He played. Uh, I mean, I remember him, but I didn't know there was a U tie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was in town for for a while. His dad was a coach at the U. I think he might even have been coordinator before me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he might have been coordinator at the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's splitting time, and then they go on to this. It, 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 he goes down as the most decorated team sport athlete in the history of sports in our country. And I think you've got to put uh, Bill Russell. Wayne Gretzky. And then MJ. Uh, there. I mean, hockey doesn't get near as much run. Yogi Berra. This guy who won a lot. Oh, you know, those Yankee dudes? Yeah. Because he was there for that whole Yankee run. Yeah. What they were saying about Brady 20 years ago in the draft. Poor build, skinny, lacks mobility and ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, doesn't throw a really tight spiral. 
gets knocked down easily. But he gets it up again. System type player. Chumbawanga, right? (laughs) (laughs) System type player who can get exposed if forced to ad lib. We'll go to 10 Super Bowls. All right, DJ and PK. Andy Bailey covers the NBA report for, or covers the NBA for Bleach Report. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes. Where did the Jazz go after Joe Ingles' injury? What does this mean at the trade deadline? How do they stack up in the West? Who can pick up part of the load? We will talk with Andy in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're so, many, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Today is the one-month anniversary of the youths playing in the Rose Bowl. Does it seem like a month ago, PK? Yes. <laughs> Time is fast, and you have a firm grasp on it. Seems like precisely a month ago. Even longer. Because there's no games in between. Games come at you. You get in that routine each week during the season seems like it's a long time ago and all not all of them but a lot of the kids have moved on getting ready to prepare for themselves for NFL possibilities and all that stuff and that, I mean that happens every year um, and plus you're so engrossed in the NFL that college seems like it was a, a good long while ago You know, you we're talking, the media's talking to Kyle Woodingham every week and all that. And that's not been the case. So, yeah, it does seem, it seems even longer, actually. Because you get back in the day-to-day routine. And that wasn't, that wasn't normal routine. That was a glorious time. Every single person who went there had, had a, a phenomenal time. time. Yeah, I know, a lot, I know a lot of people that uh, have gotten COVID since they've been back <laughs> who were there. I yeah. didn't. At least I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, but I haven't had anything. To, I have been tested a couple times. Uh, so yeah, it, was, it, was, it was a glorious experience. And it was innocent, too. You Ryan know. posts on our Facebook page, all around amazing experience. Anyone says anything less is a bitter, jealous BYU fan, and I'm not wrong. Everything's about the rivalry. I, yeah, I, and that's fine. But... I agree with him. Jeffrey, I was able to attend the Rose Bowl this year. It was fantastic. I hope for many more opportunities in the future. Uh, great. I don't know that you will, but I go ahead and hope. I'm all, all, I'm all for that. Uh, I had a phenomenal time, and I'm a bitter, hardened dude who's done all this stuff. You know, 
I've been to uh, so many bowl games, the Final Four, you name it, at the collegiate level here with my job. But and but I knew that they were going to have a phenomenal time. I had been saying it for years. You'd been there. You'd had a yeah. phenomenal time. You knew how it worked. Right. And they did. They had the ex- and they didn't even win. When I went as a fan, the Devils won. Took and, down Michigan, baby. And that's great. But I probably would have uh, had. Well, I probably would have experienced the same thing as you'd fans if, say, Michigan. I don't even remember the concourse of the the not the concourse, but the just the form, the way the game went. I don't remember. I don't remember much about it. I mean, no, they won. There's no details. You just remember the final score. They played for three hours, and then yeah, ASU I think it was won. like 22 to 15, if I remember. It was oh, okay, because uh, there was an inordinate amount of field goals. Uh, but if Michigan would have done something and, and won the ball game, I probably would have felt the same way. Man, this was a phenomenal experience, especially for your first time. And uh, and, and for, for you fans who – Scott Mitchell does this. Uh, they play this promo here. You can hear him uh, in the afternoons where he talks about, you know, he really couldn't have fathomed it. You know, he played at Utah. He grew up here. And so this was a program that was – not even good. Forget about it. They were awful. And to see how far they've come in the span. And if you're of his age or older, it's almost like a football dream come true. So when you get to that, yeah, you lost by a field goal with nine seconds to go. That That's supposed to ruin your experience? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, if it, it was the Super Bowl or the national title game, that's another story. But it wasn't. It was exactly the way I said it was going to be. It was going to be thousands who were going to be there. They were going to have the time of their lives. It was going to be a nice day. And you were going to just relish it. And it was a fun, fun game. My goodness. Well, the second quarter was just off the charts. For me as a sports fan who ultimately really doesn't care about the outcomes, but is so wants to have fun with it and it, and be entertained. Four touchdowns in ten minutes will entertain you. The entire game. And that Stroud kid, I'm going to watch him as we all are. He was he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The next Jamar Chase. Um, he's the quarterback I'm talking about, not the receiver. Uh, just uh, Stroud will be the next Joe Burrow. The, the throws he was even when we're sitting high up, you can see it. And you can see the play develop and, and all that stuff. And just to watch him do his thing, man, even though I wanted the Utes to win, it was still fun to watch because he looked really, really good. And, it, and it's, it is symbolic of where the Pac-12 is because, as I was joking the day before with uh, Ben and Jake, he's a Cucamonga kid. And I said, that's fun to say, a Cucamonga kid. He, went, he grew up in Cucamonga, went right down the freeway. A Cucamonga kid. And he goes, Ohio State, for the future success of the conference, that literally cannot happen. Yeah, when the commissioner uh, came on our show and just started listing off all the schools that had kids who went to high school in Pac-12 areas, the Pac-12 footprint. Yeah, I think that if they've got a kid who goes to another Power 5 and succeeds within a 40-mile radius of your campus, you should be docked a scholarship. (laughs) Yeah. That'll get everyone prioritizing quarterbacks. Oh, and not just quarterbacks, any 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 player. 40 miles, so they can lose some kids. 
USC and UCLA will not be responsible for losing a kid out of San Diego. And right, that's too far. The Fresno kid, Josh Allen, none of the California schools will be penalized for that. Uh, maybe Fresno, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> penalized Mountain West schools. <laughs> but yeah, there's something to be said. You got to keep your dudes home, man. I mean, they, they're right under your nose. You should be able to sell this big time. And that's why they're paying Lincoln Riley the big bucks to see if yeah. that's what he could do. Yep. Well, it's not just the California schools who are struggling with the California kids. The Florida schools are struggling with Florida kids. Yeah, but if you get somebody who's just as good and you're playing in the playoff and whatnot, it doesn't right. matter. But Florida State isn't doing that I, anymore. I got that. You're right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Joe Ingles, ACL, done for the season. What are the Jazz going to do? How can they replace him? How does this impact the trade market? All those questions for Andy. Coming up next, stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time right now to remind you that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It's coming up February 14th. Today is the first. Jimmy Flowers can make it easy with ready-made or custom-designed flower arrangements. Order today at jimmysflowers.com or visit their stores in Bountiful, Layton, or Ogden. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey. Joining the show once again, he covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not good, Andy. Do you have a uh, tissue I could use? Because my eyes are <laughs> they're moist right now. I wish I could pass one to you uh, <laughs> cellphonically. Is that a word? It is now. I like I, it. I like it a lot. We like to make up words. My favorite yeah, made-up yeah. word of all time, anticipointment. You anticipate it, and then there's major disappointment. It's anticipointment. (laughs) I have a lot of anticipointments, so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, cellophonically, it's pretty good. I'm putting it on the list. (laughs) Joe Ingles hurts his knee. It's as bad as everybody feared it was when they saw it. ACL, out for the year, out for the start of next year. Back sometime next year, and he's a free agent, so back where? Back here, back there. We can worry about that later. Right now, the trade deadline is bearing down on the Jazz, and they have more need than ever now that Joe is hurt, and they have uh, one less asset than ever now that Joe is hurt. How does this change the trade deadline for the Jazz? What are they thinking now? Well, I, you know, my initial reaction was this takes an asset off the board, too, Um but I keep hearing, include. I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast from ESPN this morning. He thinks they're still going to float Joe Ingles in a first to teams. Um, obviously, Joe Ingles isn't going to report to whatever team would acquire him in that scenario. But he's got you know plenty of uh, money in terms of salary matching that can go out in a deal. And I think whatever team acquires him is just going to want the first round pick anyway. Um, so I'm not sure it's necessarily completely off the table. Uh, I, I think it probably makes it less likely. It sh- sure seems like it should. Um, and I, you know, I've kind of, from the beginning of the trade rumors, I think which really heated up as this losing, you know, stretch started for the Jazz, I always kind of thought it was strange um, that he was brought up so much more than Jordan Clarkson. Um, and maybe it's because Ingles has more value around the NBA. I think that could be part of it. Um, 
But I, I always kind of felt like if you could move either one of those guys for a defensive upgrade, it might make some sense. Um, there's, I think there's probably a little bit more of a sentimental connection with Ingles and the fan base because he's obviously been there for almost a decade, but there's no sentimental connection between him and Danny Ainge, um, at least not that I know of. So None. I wouldn't be surprised if that's still a possibility. Um, but even even with him, let's let's say he is off the table, I think they still need to at least look around for some defensive help. And I, and I do think there are some options out there with Jordan Clarkson. All right, so Clarkson versus uh, Ingles and a first-round pick. Uh, do you think Clarkson brings back more value? Well, I think he probably does now. now. Okay, um, yeah. Because Jordan Clarkson, you know, I was one of those guys who last year thought that Joe Ingles was, he was the sixth man of the year. Me too. Um, Jordan Clarkson's obviously the leading scorer of the bench unit, and I think that's that's generally closer to the criteria for sixth man of the year. But Ingles just did so much. He was such a steady hand, um, basically running that second unit. I felt like he was a little bit more valuable. Um, but there is there's certainly value in what Jordan Clarkson does. And I think there are plenty of teams around the league who might think, you know, his shooting numbers are down a little bit this year, but that's a guy who can be a spark plug and can randomly get you 25 or 30 points off the bench. And the idea that I floated, um, it's probably been two or three weeks ago now in an article on Bleacher Report, was Clarkson in a first for Marcus Smart because um, Boston's offense at that time was was kind of muddling, um, not great. I think they could have used a bit of a spark plug. And then <laughs> I, I felt like right after that article came out, I started hearing a lot about Joe Ingles in a first for Marcus Smart. Um, so I, I think maybe there is some fire there uh, where, where that smoke is. I don't I don't know that for sure. Um, it is a little more complicated now with Joe Ingles gone because I think you want somebody who can run the second unit. Maybe you stagger Mike Conley into that second group a little bit more um, than Utah has to do that. But I, I think the overall aim for Utah should still be some more perimeter defense um, because especially during this losing streak, it's, it is abundantly clear that after Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal, there, there just isn't a lot of defense on that roster. Clarkson obviously makes sense in a basketball trade, and Joe does not. But how many teams do you think out there weren't looking at a basketball trade? They were looking at a money trade. Uh, PK brought up Portland when we were talking off the air this morning. This is a team that isn't going to be winning anytime soon. The basketball part doesn't matter to them. Cap relief, luxury tax relief, draft picks to help them rebuild. That's what matters to a team like Portland. And how many more teams are there out there like Portland? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um and, and maybe that's why Joe Ingles' name came up so much because he was on that expiring contract, and it's basically why he still may be um, an option <laughs> at the trade deadline. So I, I think you're certainly on to something there. I don't know specifically how many teams are in that group, uh, but there always seems to be at least four or five um, every year at the deadline. We're thinking, let's get under the tax. Let's speed up this rebuild. Um, and, and an expiring $13 million contract certainly makes sense on that front. Generally speaking, how much movement do you think is going to be at the trade deadline? Um, yeah, my answer to this question, I think every year is the default. It's going to be quiet uh, just because I, you know, I always feel like trades are less likely to materialize um, than they are to materialize. 
it's just hard to get a deal done. Uh, I was I was surprised by some moves last year. I think the Orlando Magic stuff kind of threw me at least the Vucevic part of it, just where he wound up. So there's always surprises out there, um, and I think a difference with this deadline, I, I we could see a lot of moves. I don't know if there's a ton of like major needle moving moves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a, a name we hear a ton this year is Jeremy Grant, and I think he's a he's a fine player, um, certainly serviceable, but I don't think he's a fortune changer uh, necessarily. I, I think he's closer. A good context for him is what he was at the Nuggets a couple of years ago. I don't think he's going to go to some team if he is traded and still score 20 points a game um, and just really change the dynamic of, of either conference. So I think there could be some moves. I just I don't anticipate anything that's like, you know, earth shattering. The Suns and Warriors established themselves as the best two teams in the West early this year. The Jazz were in that group. Obviously, a lot of people have their doubts nationally about the Jazz. We hear that, and it irritates Jazz fans to no end. Now the Jazz have lost 11-13, to and they've really slumped. Memphis has really come on, but then Memphis can't beat Philly when Embiid is out. Is there anybody who's really going to challenge the Suns and Warriors in the West? Yeah, I feel like there, there have been so many stretches this season where parity has just kind of taken over the NBA, which for me is fun because – there was that stretch with the light years warriors where everything was kind of a foregone conclusion. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a bunch of up and downs for a bunch of different teams this season. And I think that makes the middle fun and competitive. Uh, the answer to the question is I, I do think that when everybody's healthy, uh, Phoenix and golden state have kind of established themselves as a head above. And I might even say Phoenix is, you know, half a head above the warriors. Um, the way that they've played this season has just been so impressive to me. They're they're such a complete team. Uh, it's not a superstar carrying them necessarily. I mean, they obviously have a ton of talent at the top with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, um, but there's so much interchangeability with those forwards and Bridges and Johnson and Jay Crowder. And so I I think they're they're probably my single favorite with Golden State slightly behind them, um, but. <laughs> Having said all that, I, I think there's a bunch of teams in the West where I wouldn't be shocked to see them win a series, and I think Utah is one of those. I, I keep falling back to this number, and, and I think it's fair because Gobert and Mitchell have been out for so long. But when those two are on the floor, Utah is still playing like a juggernaut. And I just looked at the numbers this morning, and they're you know unsurprisingly a juggernaut when Gobert and Mitchell play without Ingles. Um, so I think as long as those two guys are healthy – uh, Utah is going to be a tough out, uh, regardless of who they play. And I, I think the top end talent on a team like, uh, you know, we, we've seen what Luca has done in individual playoff series. That's going to be a tough out. Um, you mentioned the Grizzlies. I think they're onto something. Um, there's a bunch of teams in the West. I mean, think if Jamal Murray comes back in the next month or two, the Nuggets are suddenly going to be real tough. Um, there, there's to me, it's pretty easy to pick the top team or the top two teams in the West right now. But there's, I think there's still going to be a lot of unpredictability and chaos when the playoffs come around. It always matters here because we're always quick to say, "Oh, we got slighted." I'm not sure it matters to me that much, but nevertheless, it does to our listeners. Uh, as far as All Star selection, do they get two, one, or zero? They should get two, um, and. I, I don't blame Utah fans if they felt slighted after the all-star starters were announced. I mean, 
Rudy Gobert, it, it was abundantly clear to me that he should be a starter, although he's, he seems like he's never going to get the fan vote. Um, and I don't know if you guys know about the K-pop connection with Andrew Wiggins, but that was... Yeah. I, I shouldn't get frustrated about stuff like that, but I, you know, something like that happens where a Korean pop star generates yeah. who knows how many votes for somebody, and I think it's almost like the NBA is trying to make a joke out of certain things <laughs> that are... Um, I mean, all-star selections are a big deal for guys legacy-wise, contract-wise, Hall of Fame cases. Um, and I think Gobert will still get in. I think he's probably more of a lock than Mitchell, um, although I, I do think both will get in. So, you know, he'll still get that notch on his resume. Um, but in terms of impact on the floor, especially over those few months before he was hurt, I mean, he was absolutely a, a dominant force, really, on both ends of the floor. Um if if I were to put his, you know, all-star case next to Andrew Wiggins, it would just blow it out of the water. So I understand uh, the frustration of Jazz fans. They'll probably feel flatted again, even if those two guys are picked, because then we have the all-star draft, which has been fun for Utah players lately. Um, but there's, there's always, I think, going to be a little bit of a small market um, bias against those guys within, you know, fan bases, players, whatever it may be. It's, there's just a little bit of a disadvantage there. So who's your favorite K-pop artist? <laughs> um, I can't name a single one, but there's there's that group that always comes up on commercials and uh, oh, the boy band. My, I, I yeah, I have no idea what they're called, but my <laughs> sister-in-law loves them, and my little kids when those commercials come on, they say, "There's Andy's boyfriends," and Andy is my sister-in-law. It's confusing. Same name as me, but <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, my my sixteen-year-old has pictures of them on notebooks for school. Yeah, that's that's the age of my sister-in-law too. She's very into that stuff. I need to complain to her about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Get right on that. Uh, a little more to the point, though. Donovan Mitchell has missed games with a concussion, and there are a lot of guards in the West that people like, and that could end up getting him left out. Isn't that the the out for the coaches to pick somebody else? I think so. I think you know. Obviously, Gobert is hurt too. Um, yeah, but he's but like Gobert. You said, there's, <laughs> There's a lot of talent um, at those guard positions, and this is, you know, in terms of our all-star selections, this is just a bad time to be hurt. Um, and he's been out a little longer than I think a lot of people may have expected him to with that concussion. So, um, you know, you think about the fact that Booker and Chris Paul aren't starters. There's two guards right there. Um, you know, I, I think he'll probably snag one of those wild card spots at the very least. Um but like you said, there's there's a ton of individual talent uh, in the guard pool, so it's not it's not a given. I think I got to go old school K-pop and go. What's his name? Psy with the Gangnam Style, and we're going back ten years. I know now. that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's ancient Did history. Did he start all this? Is that is that who we can? Uh, trace it back to? Well, he was the <laughs> first one to reach uh, like a billion in YouTube viewers. So he, probably he yeah. deserves credit. So yeah. either that or blame, whichever you prefer, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about things that get under your skin. Uh, this thing really gets under my skin. We read the Buker quotes in an anonymous Eastern Conference scout. Yeah. Uh, the the Jazz or, or Mitchell is uh, one first round exit away from going to New York for whatever reason. I'm not from here, but I've lived here for three decades now. And that really, really bugs me. Just, I can't explain particularly or articulate why. But when I see this, I just want to punch a wall. I mean, 
And I figured an Eastern Conference scout, that means somebody's son who isn't doing much, so the dad gives him yeah. a job to go watch Patriot League basketball. Uh, but and just, doesn't I mean, you're a Western guy. Doesn't that bug you? Yeah, it does. And there, I think what you brought up is true. Who, who, I mean, anonymous East scout could be any number of people. Teams have a lot of scouts. And, you know, it could be a New York Knicks scout, for all we know, um, or a Brooklyn Nets scout, for all we know. And there may not be any value to what he's saying. It could be somebody who has really no, um, no input organizationally in whatever team he works for. But the fact that it's in an article with a guy who's been a national reporter for years and then it gets picked up by all the Twitter accounts like NBA Central or whatever they're called where they just, you know, blast those quotes out and all of a sudden it becomes a trending Twitter topic and, you know, everybody's got to talk about it. And so this this just could be the random opinion of, you know, Joe Scout who, who has no say in terms of um, – decisions and who has no influence in Donovan Mitchell's mind. And now it's a national story. Um, So the way that these things snowball, I think is very frustrating. Um, You know, I'm sure it's frustrating within the jazz front office too, because then they potentially have some fires to put out. Um, And, and the other thing is, is this has happened so many times with so many small markets where the star does eventually force his way out. We've seen it a lot recently. And so I think there's at least a, a, a fear in the back of everybody's head that that could happen with Donovan Mitchell, and, and maybe it does. Um, but as far as that specific report goes, it, you just you just have to throw something out there, and all of a sudden it turns into this big national thing that everybody's talking about. So I, I think there's a, you know, <laughs> a more than likely chance that that was just blown wildly out of proportion. The timeline isn't right. I mean, we all know the dynamics and how it works, but he's got a five-year deal. The fifth year's an option. There's four years left, which means after three years, he could leverage his way out. But they're in year one. It seems like this story is off by at least two and a half years, unless this is a weird story and it isn't like how the NBA usually works. Unless unless he wants to be Ben Simmons, and I just... If you're if you're an NBA player and you have watched how the Ben Simmons saga has played out, I can't imagine many players and their agents would think, yeah, let's let's take that route. Um, that certainly seems to have panned out for Ben Simmons because he you know he's at the beginning of an extension too. Um, I, I just think what he's doing is is exceptionally rare and is going to continue to be exceptionally rare. We may be in the era of player empowerment. But the way that you just laid it out is is true. He's under contract for a long time, um, so it's uh, the way you put it is perfect. It's just way too early for that. Well, Andy, we'd like to talk a little more K-pop with you, but it turns out we're right up against it on on break time, so I'll have to leave that for next time. That's and our, our demographic is really into it too, so I know they're just bitterly disappointed. Okay, I'll, I'll have an essay for my sister-in-law next time. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Andy. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Andy Bailey covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. When we come back, we're giving away tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. we got a pair of tickets to give away to their game a week from tomorrow, February 9th, here at Vivint Arena. We'll give those tickets away, and we'll get you up to date on everything you missed in this show, including Ken Pomeroy and where he thinks BYU is going to slot into the NCAA tournament. 
DJ and PK. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. The rules in any sport are not perfect, but I love it when teams go right to let's blame the rules and forget about the rest of the darn game. Remember that uh, what was a perceived pass interference call with the Saints game that yeah. they wouldn't right. shut up about for two years? Right. We get focused on, oh, the rules are bad. No, they're not. You're bad. Yeah, correct. Again, You're somebody, bad. so many of the things can be fixed by just making the stop. For, for people today to be like, change the overtime yeah. rules, you're ignoring bad decisions. You're ignoring bad play. Look at them letting Kansas City score with 13 seconds left to go. Uh, them throwing it to Travis Kelsey. Of course they're going to throw it to Travis Kelsey. Correct. You're not guarding that guy? Yes. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com <laughs> Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or a free second opinion. All right, early this morning, we qualified one of you to win a big screen TV. Watch the games from Beijing on that, baby. We'll have another qualifier tomorrow morning. They'll have qualifiers the rest of the day. We also gave away Jazz Warrior tickets at 8.30, and we're going to do that again right now. Two more tickets to see the Jazz and Warriors. A week from tomorrow, February 9th. No, that'd be a week. Is that a week from tomorrow? Yes, a week from tomorrow, February 9th. At Vivint Arena, Jazz are hosting the Warriors. Two tickets right now to Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. We have talked Joe Ingles' memories this morning. Maybe that was his last game as a Jazz man. Maybe there'll be some kind of one-year deal, and he'll be back sometime Next year, we'll see how that plays out. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He could be traded. We just just had Andy Bailey on, and Andy talking about it. Well, he still has the expiring contract, so there could be some market out there. doesn't bring anything on the basketball court now with the torn ACL, but the expiring contract could still work for some teams. So we'll see how that plays out. But for the fans, they can leave that business to the front office. They can just think back. Awesome memories of Joe. And a lot of people said, wearing a handband, headband. Headband Joe. A lot of people went to the radio show. They love listening to him every week. A lot of people went to Slow Mo Joe. Which I think is so overblown. Do you think the playoff series is overblown? Because a lot of people said, getting in playoff P's head and the Jazz beating Oklahoma City. That was probably his shining moment individually. But these last two seasons were really fantastic. Not this one, but the two before that. And in the way I look at him, you got contributions, but then you also have value, which I think you can have more value than the actual contribution. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that's when I think when we just heard Mike Conley say intangibles. I think that's what you're getting at. He was a guy that started, well, then we bring Conley over. Sorry, Joe, you got to come off the bench. No, no problem. And he responded, and but then Conley's out a little bit, and that first season he was out a bunch. Probably. So you need to be moved back in. Probably heard no him a little bit in the sixth man of the year voting because he had so many starts. If that matters to him. Right. Uh, but yeah, and and then when he, he broke out onto the scene, I can remember texting with him and saying, Joe, I am so happy for you. This is just incredible. You know, I, I met you. 
and you had a good sense of humor, you were glib, <clears throat> you were willing to do it, you liked the give and take, and you liked the give and take to where you can talk about other stuff rather than how you defended or played the pick and roll, mm-hmm. which is what most post-game stuff is. Yeah. And you get it. And he, ch- can, he can do that. Right. But he prefers the other stuff. Right. He's not actually a great post-game interview. As someone who's tried to get post-game interviews out of him, it's not his favorite thing. As he got more established. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got to wait to get established. Yeah. But, I mean, he likes, we talk about Australia. You remember, hey, how, how long does it take? If you're going to go to Australia, how long do you need? Well, you know, I've thought about this, and I've decided you got to have at least two weeks. You know, that has nothing to do with anything. And just, just his journey. And when he started to make it as a basketball player, and it was obvious, hey, he's going to be a player. I never had any idea. I thought it would be a one- or two-year deal, and then he'd ride off in the sunset like so many of them do. That's normally how Uh, NBA life works for most players. And here we are eight years later, and when it was obvious, wow, he's really worked on his game, and he's a valuable asset to a really good team, I, I was having a text exchange with him, and when it became, okay, you're here to stay, I said, Joe, this is just absolutely awesome. <laughs> I said, I'm so happy for you to be an NBA player. Uh, and I also said, you know, as far as a personality in the community, I think you owe me some free lodging if I go to Australia. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mel- certainly the show helped make him into that. Melbourne, hook me up. Yeah, and I would think somewhere along the line in my life, hopefully knock on wood, that that would be accomplished. I mean, I would love to be there. I've never gone there. You went there for work. I've never been there. I would love. Who would? Uh, yeah, I didn't get to go to Melbourne. I went to Sydney. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. And he says Sydney. That's the JV city. Okay, no, Melbourne's well, where it's yeah, at. Sure. He says. Wouldn't you like Sid- to go there? Sydney was spectacular. Yeah, my wife has a uh, has a friend from. No, college it's her best there. friend. You told Joe's her best friend. It is. You guys meet. They meet at the food court and they discuss boys. <laughs> Actually, her. Uh, no, you said you told Joe was her, your best. Her best friend. Her kid called the show, and Joe thought it was I a put on, and that's why I had to tell him. That. It's like they were. They were her best friend. You know, at, at her age, yeah. they still meet. And they talk about boys, and they hang out at the, at the mall at the food court. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. She lives literally a half a world away. Yeah, but if you're gonna have a best friend in your 40s and 50s, that's what it's got to be. Your best it friend. Really doesn't. No such thing as a best friend when you. That's, that's, that's high school stuff. Or when you're 19 in college. Mm, first Still or second a teenager. year. Yeah. But then you want to branch out. You want to have a bunch of friends. She man. did have a bunch of friends. Yeah. Well, then well, why single out one? That's rude. <laughs> a total disregard for the other feelings. What about Sharon? What about Melinda? You just make his stuff up. <laughs> you just totally blew those ladies off. How'd you know my wife was friends with Melinda Gates? That's incredible. Because you got money. My mother told me when I was a kid. Money, money loves, loves money. Yeah. Come on, you got to growl when you say it. <laughs> Give us the full shtick. Because I knew you, you were be halfway it. in. You've lectured me on this many times. Money loves money. So, of course, she's friends money with Bill Gates' wife. You got a big TV. I don't. He said, if I want to make money, I got to I have a sign for my television. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, objects appear smaller than they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> Pinky lives in a house full of miniatures. The roof's only five feet tall. He has to duck down at all times. Well, when you live in a small trailer, what are you going to do? <laughs> the chair is about 14 inches wide. Yeah, I'm like Buddy. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Buddy the Elf. That's where I was going. So I drew my inspiration. He's oversized. So we had a lot of Joe memories, and we'll get some of them coming up next in your feedback. We had Ken Pomeroy on. 
And do you give as many opinions on college basketball? He thinks BYU's on track to be a 7-8 or 9 seed. Like you, he doesn't expect the West Coast Conference to be a four-team league. They'll beat each other up, and then they play uh, a team and they beat them, but their ranking's so bad that it pulls them down anyway. USF looks like that fourth team right now that would be in the most danger. But he does think that the Big 12, and he's run the numbers will still be the best basketball league in the country even after all the shuffling for football. I Houston's 18-2 and two right now. Yeah, I know. Houston's so you're running the numbers right. now. You're not and, running the numbers then, and, although I agree with them, but you're right. running the numbers now. Yeah. And he said that, uh, well, he actually said he ran them last summer, although Houston was good last year, too. Well, they were. Yeah, right, so uh, there you go. They were coming and, off a of Final Four. And appearance. for all the, the give and take, uh, Kansas isn't going anywhere, and Baylor isn't going anywhere, so you got some pretty good teams. Yeah. They're very, very solid. You've got multiple teams going to Final Fours recently. Not years ago, recently. I'm looking at you, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. That's yeah. another program. Got it going. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think it's really important for BYU to establish some NCA momentum. Get the word out. Transfer portal. Kids who would never have thought at 18 to consider BYU. And not some, like, I don't want to disparage guys, but like some lower level guys. I'm talking about a better form of transfer, a better caliber is a better word. And, okay, you're going to go to the tournament. You're going to have, on bad nights, you're going to have 12,000. Mm-hmm. On good nights, what's it up to 18,000? They remodel the thing, whatever it's And you're going to be in a league that's going to have six, seven, yeah. eight, whatever it is, teams in the NCAA right. tournament. Right, and you're going to be all splattered all over ESPN, too. And one thing, and all these guys that you're talking about are going to have NBA dreams, whether they pull it off or not. And one, there, there are many things NBA people look at, but they always look at your stats and then separate your stats versus NCAA teams. So the more NCAA yeah. teams you get to play, the bigger the sample size, the more confidence scouts have in what they're seeing. Although if you can go overseas for six, seven years and make, make good a lot money, of money. I mean, that's a good fallback plan, but the dream is the NBA. I understand that, but that's... I would imagine that'd be fun. Yeah. I've never been to Europe. See the world and make a ton of cash along the way. Come back with great stories. Everybody who plays overseas has outstanding Well, Pace Manion stories. was telling his son's driving around in a Porsche or something. <laughs> yeah. He's 20 years old, right? Yeah. Because he's getting this and that paid for, and he's playing on the Italian league team. In addition to the cash, you often get a place to live and a car, mm. which are usually your two biggest expenses. So now what are you spending the cash on? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever been in a Porsche, let alone drive one. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid's 20 years old. Really, and I know for him, it's the goal is the NBA. But from my perspective, so what? <laughs> it's still pretty sweet the way it is. I mean, obviously I get it, and that's what you want. It's a disappointment if you don't get it, and we'll see what happens with that individual. But the rest of them, you know, and, and plus you get the experience uh, – a lot of these kids, they've never done that. Yeah. And, and and you're not on your own. You're not landing in Stockholm. What do I do now? You know what I mean? they got people there to set you up. and So, yeah, I think it's really important for BYU to get some NCAA success. The sooner, the better. And if they can do it this year and then do it again next year, I think that sends a strong message because they've got to up their level of talent when they get in this conference, just to survive, let alone compete. I'm talking about you could surviving. Turn, you could turn into a punching bag pretty quickly because everybody's so good. If you're not at a high level, then you're out man night after night after night. Yeah, and we're not even talking about a team right now that's sort of middle West Virginia. 
It's a hard slog. Yeah. It's a lot of good players and a lot of good teams. And then these road trips? Brutal. And they're not getting any better. Cincinnati, West Virginia. Right. Or, well, Central Florida's in Orlando. I mean, these are far from Right, right. This trips. isn't Vegas and San Diego here. Right. It's not flying to the or, Bay Area and playing or, two games or, like or the Pac-12. flying to LA and playing two games, which yeah. both the West Coast Conference and the Pac 12. In Arizona, do. you can bus. Yeah. It's not that far. Uh, but here, you know, the, that, and that going to airports, sitting around, blah, 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 and having to get up early to get the plane. As a writer, that gassed me. Right. Now I would think the teams are flying <laughs> charter. I just can't imagine that they could be commercial and pull that off. Every flight for BYU? That'd be great if Well, we there's fewer flights because I think they'll be playing a lot of home games in the non-conference. They're only going to play half. In I'm the talking non- about non-conference. Yeah, but Once I'm talking about conference. Once you get to conference, I would think most of them are going to be are going to be charters. Maybe not all. I mean, we're talking eight, nine, ten games, depending on how they decide to format the league. No, I'm talking basketball. What right, talking? eight, nine, or ten, depending on where they play sixteen, eighteen, or twenty oh, conference they're games. They're not just going to play sixteen. I wouldn't think so. No. I would think eighteen is the number, but you can wiggle it two games either way. I would think twenties. I would think twenties way more likely than sixteen. Yeah, that, that that doesn't seem near enough. So they got a lot at stake here over this. Uh, got about a. Uh, I think yep. the regular season ends the end of the month. Ken Palm said seven, eight, or nine seed is where he thinks BYU is tracking right now, even with those two losses this uh, this past week. And Pope's got to soak some more money out of BYU, so do well and get some other offers. There you go. Now you're talking. <laughs> it's the threat of offers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's go, guys. I need another new deal. Let's hit some shots. Yeah, really, for sure. Although, really, I think the question with them is defending. Mountain West Conference, he said three or four bids. West Coast Conference, three or four bids. Pac-12, three bids. He thinks that's how it's most likely to shake out. I think the Pac-12 is going to get four. Someone else is going to win the tournament, or Oregon is just going to keep bringing it, and they are yeah. going to get across the line. Gets, get a few more wins, and we'll just blow off that early season. Thing. He did say Oregon, trending well, but yeah. they got a lot yeah. of ground to make up. It's uh, a bad start. Yeah, but they've got two road wins against top ten teams. All right. <laughs> and they got a rep. You can say and the conference is a rep. I yeah. really believe you can computerize it all you want, but... Leagues have established themselves well, as what level of bid are the, they? With the top 10, and they've got, they've got three more shots, and they've got USC and UCLA, so they'll have to go up to Oregon and play. Yeah. They did the L.A. trip. Which they swept. It went well. <laughs> and now they get them at home. Which and is then, great for BYU. And maybe they just win the conference tournament and then remove all possibility. doubt. Yeah. All right, that's a lot of what we have been talking about. And, of course, Tom Brady retired early in the show as well. Made it official, went to Instagram, did the post, and Adam Schefter takes the victory lap. Apparently, that was some show that he's on that he was going to announce it, and that's how ESPN found out about it. Ah. And so it was planned he was going to do it there, and somebody who's involved with that told the dude, the Darlington dudes down in Florida— Born in Jersey, but went uh, grew up uh, went to college in Florida, and told them, him, and that's how they got it. And so then Tom said, "Well, it's already out there, so I'll just announce it." And there it is. Yeah. Somebody's always willing to talk. That's always been my belief. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. Joe Ingles finishes his contract season after suffering a torn ACL. If he's done with the Jazz, what's your favorite memory and how should he be remembered? And Spencer says, nothing less than a statue. Ooh. I would bet against that. A statue for a role player? No. That's the, that's the phenomenal thing, is he's basically a role player. At times, he's been a high-level role player. But to have so much acclaim, mm-hmm. it clearly goes beyond the court. Points, rebounds, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It clearly goes beyond the court to the emotional. I don't know that we've ever had this in the in the thirty years I've lived here. To this level, Hornacek. I mean, that's always. But he was an all star. Not in Utah. Nevertheless, one time in Phoenix, yes, and he was a starter. He was the third best player on the team. And they went to the finals. This team hasn't gotten out of the second round. That's fact. There's nothing that compares. Thurl. His team's never got out of the second round. I don't... Oh, well, that's because they played the Lakers. Yeah. Never got out of the second round, though. Because <laughs> they played the Warriors. <laughs> well, one time. Yeah. Not last year. Well, the Jazz only played the Lakers one time in that era in the 80s. Right, but that's the time that I mean, they... they, had, they that's had a, the, literally the best team they've ever had. They, they had a bunch of teams. And Thurl won an NCAA title. Thurl was not a role player. Did he come off the bench? So what? Mikhail okay. came off the bench. John Havlicek <laughs> came off the bench. These are Hall of Fame guys. The, you you dismiss, and that has pissed me off too a lot. Uh-huh. I think Thurl never got his due as a player. Turkish. Love Joe on the court. But the devotion he shows for his family, and specifically for autism research, is how he should be remembered. That and his constant trash talk. <laughs> That seems opposite ends of the spectrum there. The devotion to the autism, I think once they came to grips with, okay, this is what we've got, Mm -hmm. and how he went to work at that point, and his wife too. You know, I think he talked about, he came on our show talking about, he had a little self-pity for a little bit. You know, what? why do I even want to play ball? I got to do this and blah, blah. I think once, and it probably takes a while. I've not been in that situation. Everybody's got their own issues. Uh, but when he came to grips with it, then to see him go to work, and to this day still going to work. Clinton Pete says, My favorite moment was when Dante Exum was skittish in the paint and finally took it through traffic for an emphatic dunk. And Joe said, About bleeping time, kid. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? He was thought of to be a babysitter to this uh-huh. 18-year-old kid. And that didn't work out. And meanwhile, Joe goes from, well, he's the fifth best forward to, he's the fourth best forward to the, well, he's the third best forward to the, uh, could you run the pick and roll? Uh, could you spot him and hit the three? Could you start because Mike yeah. Conley is out? That's a, that's a big upgrade from, well, he's the fifth best forward. And, you know, it's an Australian guy. Maybe it'll help X him adjust a little bit, you know. Our big high pick. Yeah. Uh, 2014, which seems like 100 years ago. Uh, to where he is now, to where he's what, made 50, 60 million, something like that, probably? Well, 50 million in this contract, plus whatever he made before that. So, yeah, that's. You're probably pushing 60. Yeah, wow. It's a phenomenal story. It's sad that it ends, but at the same time, it's awesome that it happened. That's fact. (laughs) Jazz guy. Joe Memories. 
Exum's chaperone, Paul George's daddy, and substitute math teacher to all. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Couldn't he be a substitute math teacher? Show in. Uh, these days, pretty much, on the board. <laughs> pretty much anybody can be a substitute math teacher. They are hurting for substitutes right now. I have been a substitute teacher and or could be you, again if you'd like to be. I don't want to be. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I did my time. I was a year and a half. I did uh, time as a substitute. One time, I was doing a PE class, and it was Peoria, and it was on the west side. And there wasn't much around it. And it's built up now, but there was fields around it. And one time, a gal comes walking out of the field, holding a, a, a classmate, a boy's PE shorts, and twirling them in the air. And I think, okay, this is trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with a long-term sub gig because the teacher got really sick and he knew me. So I ended up doing it for like three months. And I had an in. I knew the principal real well. Your sister? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nepotism. There it is. Why didn't she have to be a principal? I actually, I knew the guy. I worked with him at Phoenix Parks and Rec. We used to deliver sound systems and set them up in the parks. And a lot of those guys, that was their second job. And that's where I got to meet the guy. All right, DJ and PK, we're all done. Wrapping it up for the day. Jake and Ben are warming up, getting ready to go. They're next right here on The Zone Sports Network.